Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. We are New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Talk Radio Yesterday morning, me and Danielle, somewhere on the Trojanek or the Van Wick or somewhere, and this song, Barbara Streisand, The Way We Were, comes on and reminded me of two things, just how much I really love Barbara Streisand's voice and uh, also just how much I hate the Democrats. But I didn't shut the song off, I will tell you that. And it was a perfect song when I look back at the weekend that was, and I'll explain why to you momentarily, but first... Before we do anything on this Monday morning, the first full week of May 2022, here he is, my partner, the all-time great Hall of Famer and great person as well, Bernard McGurk. Happy Monday morning, Bernie. Sid Rosenberg, you make me blush. Hall of Famer. That's right. I am a Hall of Famer. Yes, you are. I forgot about that. New, New Jersey, Jersey Hall of Fame. That's exactly right. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I'm a... I'm a I am somebody. You I are? am somebody. Think about this. Roger Clemens, not in the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds, not in the Hall of Fame. Alex Rodriguez, not in the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame. Bernard McGurk, in the Hall of Fame. That's right. <laughs> in the New Jersey Radio Hall of Fame. Yeah, so it's quite an honor. But anyway, I'm all right. Good. How are you doing today, my brother? You all right? I'm great. But uh, that song was, was so perfect for the weekend because you guys know, of course, uh, I left on Friday and... You and I spent a lot of time last week talking about the tragic death and then, of course, the funeral and the two days of wakes for Timothy Klein. And I told you guys that where I moved, I live now about two blocks away from Patrick and Diane Klein, Timothy's parents. In fact, uh, on their lawn, if you drive by this morning, you're going to see some of the most beautiful floral displays I guess it turns out that uh, Tim was a huge New York Ranger fan. And, of course, the Rangers ended up the two-seed inside the Eastern Conference. They've got a huge playoff series against the Pittsburgh Penguins, which starts tomorrow night at Madison Square Garden. And uh, there's a whole big floral display of uh, the Rangers, of the fire department, of his high school. It's really lovely. And what, what really was, was amazing, Byrne, was I get off the uh, the ferry on Friday, and I can't get anywhere near my house because Bell Harbor was just shut down. It was shut down. So I was let off by the shuttle about 14 blocks away from my house, and I proceeded to walk uh, home from there. And I walked by 129th Street. That's where they've got the church, St. Francis. And if I tell you there were six, 7,000 firemen, I'm not exaggerating, out in the streets, it was a beautiful day, Bernie, as you remember. Out in the yep. streets, drinking, having a good time, celebrating Tim's life. I would not be exaggerating. And then 
the next uh, second half of my trip on the way home, just about every single driveway, just about every single backyard had 40 or 50 firemen there from, I don't know, 10 o'clock in the morning until 10 o'clock that night, including my next-door neighbor, Billy, and his lovely wife, Jacqueline. He's also a firefighter in Brooklyn, ladder 172. Uh, all day long, Bernie, every driveway, every backyard had firemen until the wee hours of Saturday. It was quite a sight to see. Sounds a lot like uh, my town here, West Long Beach, uh, and mostly uh, uh, Bell Harbor's uh, I mean, majority Irish, populated by majority Irish. And that's how the Irish do. It's like an Irish wake. Uh, they celebrate the life instead of, uh, you know, instead. Well, I mean, there's some, some tears, of course. Uh, but then it, it morphs into a celebration of the person's well, well, life. Well, the immediate family was uh, was just crushed. I mean, I heard his mother can't even get up by herself even today. But you're right. The rest of the folks, all of his, uh, all the brethren in the fire department, they they just want a party. And they did. There was a big party at the Yacht Club in Bell Harbor. They even considered renting out Frankie Russo's place. Russo's on the bay at one point. So you're right about that. The family, they grieve like anybody else. But these other people... They go nuts like it's a big party. And that, uh, for you, portends what you're going to see over the summer uh, living in that community. You're going to see stuff like that on the weekends. It's a very, uh, you know, it's a, it's a nice atmosphere. But, look, it was a somber uh, occasion, of course, the funeral for a young 31-year-old man who passed away a hero. And uh, so, so, But that's just the way it is uh, with, uh, again, the Irish. I mean, uh, that's, that's what they do. Uh, I don't know. What, did, did you think something of it, or did you think this I loved is great? It. Or, no, I thought it was great. It? Okay. I, I loved it. And every time I walked past the driveway, somebody would recognize me, shake hands. Thank you so much, you and Bernie, for the great job that you do. Uh, again, my next-door neighbor, I've gotten close with him, Billy, his wife, Jacqueline. He's a firefighter. Uh, it was just really, really nice. And then even when we went for dinner at Rocco's that night, because my mom was there, too. My mom loved it. Uh, people there, too, it was just um, it felt like one big family, and uh, I really, really loved it. I did. And then Saturday morning, Bernie, you would think nothing happened the day before. Thousands, oh, upwards of 22,000 people on those streets, and the next morning it was as quiet as could possibly be. Yeah. And uh, that brings me to yesterday morning. So, uh, Bernie, uh, I did send you a couple of texts last night. Congratulations. You folks out there know this, but... Bernie and I received a very, very prestigious award from the New York Shields. These people have an annual breakfast, and they honor they honor uh, folks who were killed, men and women, for the New York Police Department, killed in the line of duty, and they invite their families to this beautiful breakfast every year. Now, this is the first time, Bernie, in three years they held this because of COVID. In fact, the last time they held this breakfast, our colleague Rita Cosby, received the award but yesterday you and i got the award obviously you couldn't make it so danielle went uh, for you and it was a beautiful beautiful breakfast i, I want to read what billy uh, mccormick wrote he's a, a longtime new york police officer he actually gave us eggs which he makes which he actually makes himself out of his house in connecticut he writes uh, solemn annual police memorial service at our 30th annual breakfast for the new york state shields over 25 surviving families of law enforcement officers who died in the line of duty honored today. Sid Rosenberg of Bernie and Sid, WABC Radio, knocked it out of the park in his unwavering support for the men and women in law enforcement. Sid and Bernie both know for New York City, New York State, indeed our country, to survive and be a safe place to live, work, and visit, police need to be respected. So quick question for you, Bernie, knowing you as well as I do. 
This is a yes or no question. During this speech yesterday, while I came off um, supportive and at times angry, do you think I cried? Yes or no? Without a doubt. Blubbering. Blubbering. Absolutely. No, no question about it. No question. Blubbering. Hey, can I just make an observation? Sure. Uh, this was a complete, a total great honor. I'm sorry I missed it. I really am. Uh, but, uh, look, uh, some things happened last week. I'm not going to rehash what they were. But this was a big middle finger to uh, the person who actually precipitated these ugly events of last week, you know, trying to uh, make something that wasn't true, trying to make something out of nothing. Uh, you, that's what you and I have been doing for the past five, six, seven years. We've been supporting the police and the fire department, you know, like nobody else in this city. Nobody. Every, at every yep. single turn. Yep. That's what we've been doing, and that's what you were doing last week when this uh, uncalled-for attack on you occurred. And that person, a big middle finger to that punk who made these uh, <laughs> nasty, ugly allegations against you. I well, just want to say that. Thank you for that's that. That's what yesterday morning it ultimately was. Yeah, I thought about that, too. And then I thought about all the high-ranking officials that want to uh, send this guy to, like, Alaska. And I said, no, leave him alone. Leave him alone. But, you know, look, I, I was in the car on the way there, and Danielle said, do me a favor. When you go up there today, be gracious for you and Bernie. Don't start attacking people. So I didn't. So it kind of went like this. If you're a political official... Local, you know, and uh, you're going to urge citizens to take photos and videos of police officers who are coming after you. If you're a quarterback that made $100 million to start a Super Bowl, the charm life, the dream, and you want to defund the police, we're coming after you. If you're, and this went on and on, I gave like six or seven examples without saying a name. It was Kathy Hochul, Eric Adams, Colin Kaepernick, Robert De Niro, Barbara Streisand, all these types of people, some of which I still enjoy. I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't stopped watching them or, or enjoying them, some of which I wish were dead. Uh, but in the end, I kind of named all of them without naming any of them. And even Danielle gave us an A-plus for the speech yesterday. Well done. Very good. Took the high road. Yeah, you're always better off taking a high road. You really are, especially at a function like that. Uh, you know, on uh, early on a Sunday morning. But uh, listen, it was uh, again. Thank you to those people, uh, and, and thank you to you for and Danielle for representing me. Once again, a great honor, and we will continue to do what we've been doing for the past six, seven years here on the Bernie Institute, which is support our first responders when things are good and when they're bad. And that think 2020. The aftermath of George Floyd's death, the overreaction to George Floyd's death, when we stood fast, stood strong with the uh, with the police departments uh, all across the country, when it wasn't fashionable, we were there. We we never wavered, not one time. No, and we we, we will continue to uh, take those positions in the future, as always, because these people are heroes, and uh, you know the attacks all unjustified. Stats don't back them up. But we're here for we're here for those folks, the first responders, in particular law enforcement. Yeah, I made the point that I think we're we're, we're angry now at this point. I know that, for example, when I went to uh, Officer Rivera's funeral, and there were people across the street from St. Patrick's Cathedral that were yelling and screaming, you know, "F the cops!" He got what he deserved. And I made this a point yesterday. That's when uh, I started to really, really, it became personal. You know, it's one thing when Rob Reiner tweets something, that lowlife, or John Legend tweets something, any one of those folks. But when I'm across the street at a cop's funeral, 
and you've got people a hand distance away that I could have knocked out if I really wanted to, saying things like that, then you start to see just how ugly and just how disgusting people treat these men and women. And, and, and meeting these families yesterday, Bernie, having one kid walk over and go, my dad was a big sports fan. You were his favorite personality at WFAN. He was killed uh, about three years ago. Uh, just brought me to tears. You remember wow. Brian Simonson? He was a guy, Bernie, uh, that went into an AT&T store in Queens, and he got shot and killed inside the AT&T store a couple of years ago. I, yes, I do. I remember the name for sure. Yeah. Yes, his wife was there and, and so many others. And and all they said was thank you because the, the way that uh, the civilians, forgetting about politicians, they have an agenda, their low lives to begin with, but the way some of these civilians treat these cops is uh, is just so brutal that I think at this point it's fair to describe you and I as not just supportive, but angry. At least I am. I'm sure, yeah. I'm pissed off, no doubt about it. I mean, listen, in all honesty, uh, you know, it's self, uh, you know, self-survival as well. It affects us. If you tear down this thin blue line, they call it a thin blue line because it is the line that separates uh, civilization from anarchy. That's what it is, and uh, it, we, we don't want to live in a world with anarchy. Plus, we know they're good people. We know. I mean, all you have to do is, is, is not be ignorant. They're not, uh, you know, men in blue are not shooting down unarmed black men by the tens of thousands, by the thousands, by the, you know, anywhere between 1,000 to 10,000. The number is like six, seven per year, something like that. So ignorance prevails. Most people think it's like in the thousands. It's not. We know better. And we've seen firsthand what uh, these people have done for the communities and how the, the lives that they have saved. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it's a popular position to take. It was anyway a couple of years ago. And it lingered. And you have you had corporations caving, cowardly corporations. Uh, the NFL included Roger Goodell, all these uh, CEOs caving to Black Lives Matter, which was essentially a, a big screw you to the police departments. Uh, so, but we stood strong, and we know better, and we didn't cave to the pressure. They probably knew better as well, these CEOs, but they were cowardly about it because, again, that was the atmosphere we lived in, and uh, we, we, we will never cave like that. We know what the truth is, and so we will never cave. We support our, our men in blue, uh, the NYPD, and uh, all, all law enforcement across the country, including the Border Patrol, and et cetera, et cetera. Maybe the FBI not so much these days. But, uh, no, the rank but and file are good people. It's just yeah, the guys the at the file. top that Absolutely. are garbage. Yep. But, uh, but I'll right. tell you this, for all the, the nonsense we hear from Eric Adams, and the more he talks, the more I realize it's all nonsense. Uh, f- f- what I saw this weekend, you know, it was, it was beautiful. Again, the way the, the fire department, men and women, showed up for the Klein family on Friday at that funeral in my neighborhood was just jaw-dropping. And then to be at this breakfast yesterday, and see just how appreciative and gracious some of these families were who lost their loved ones, little boys who lost their dads. It was um, it was a remarkable weekend, and uh, it made everything you and I do, Bernie, the last six or seven years, made it even more worthwhile, and it was humbling, and it was beautiful, and that, that right there is the spirit of New York, not these fat white chicks and these stupid people spitting on cops in New York City and uh, causing all this, all these problems. That's New York. What I saw this weekend, firsthand, Friday and Sunday, that is the spirit of New York City, and uh, it was beautiful. 1-800-848-WABC. Go ahead, Burn. You're going to fit right in, Sid, where you are. You're going to fit right the hell in in that hood because, the, yeah, that is the spirit of the hood. 
and that is the spirit of New York essentially all over the place in various hoods uh, all throughout the five boroughs. So you're going to fit in beautifully, and I'm happy for you. Thank you, my brother. Uh, big uh, show coming up today, which Lowry is always great on a Monday morning. He'll be here at 740, the editor of the National Review. At 840, one of those big three running for governor, Andrew Giuliani, Rudy's son, he'll be here. And then at 925 with the Rangers starting first-round playoff action tomorrow night against the Pittsburgh Penguins, our old buddy Kenny Albert, Marv's son, He'll be here as well. So three great guests, Lydia reports, Beat Sid, all about to come your way. Welcome back, Monday morning with Bernie and Sid. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Because he gets up in the morning and he goes to work at nine. And he comes back home at 5.30, gets the same train every time. That's right. Back here on the Bernie and Sid Show. Again, heard everywhere on that 77 WABC app. Simultaneous out on Eastern Long Island. News Talk 107.1 FM. You can watch us on your smart TVs, on your computers at WABCradio.tv. The Bernie and Sid Show. Uh, Sidney Rosenberg, yes, uh, you were up early yesterday. You went to uh, the dinner. It was, a, uh, excuse me, the breakfast. It was a beautiful, beautiful weekend. And uh, there were a lot, of, a lot of news, a lot of stuff going on. I'm going to get to it in, in, in short order. A lot of sports as well. Uh, I took a deep dive. I watched a lot of Mets, Mets, Phillies. Oh. And uh, and then last night, by the way, I, I had trashed the uh, ESPN's um, uh, game, Sunday Night Baseball. They actually air it on ESPN2, and on ESPN1, they air something called K-Rod. Mm-hmm. Michael K and Alex Rodriguez. Correct. And they do, they do interviews for like, uh, you know, the, throughout the whole game. And I trashed it initially, but... Uh, I think it's pretty good. I watched it last night. They talked to Roger Clemens. They talked to the McEnroe brothers. They talked to Keith Hernandez. Yep. And it was it was pretty damn good. If you want to watch the game, you can switch it to, to, to ESPN2 or, or go back and forth. You know, talk about Roger Clemens. I brought up in the first segment that you're a Hall of Famer, and guys like Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds and uh, these guys are not. And uh, Frank Morano, the very talented Frank Morano, sent me a text, and he said, maybe that's why you're not in the Hall of Fame, Sid. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that's a, I like that. I, like I don't that think they lot. keep you out of the Radio Hall of Fame for uh, for prior steroid use, do they? But who knows? I don't think so. No, 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 no. It's a different uh, different animal. If you had taken some payola now, that, that, that's that would a different be story. A Believe me, I know. Believe me, I know. But that was right. a, another big win for the Mets last night, Dom Smith. And, again, it's early, first week of May, but the team with the best record in Major League Baseball running a nine-game win streak is the Yankees. And the second-best record in Major League Baseball is the Mets. So at least early on, we are promised a very exciting baseball summer here in New York. But that was the first time uh, last night that I actually watched Max Scherzer pitch. It took, it took like uh, a month before I could actually watch him. And he was fun. It was a lot of fun. First five strikeouts, then a home run. It was up and down, but it was good, very good. I, 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 my question to you is this, being the, uh, the slick sports guy you are, the knowledgeable sports guy, Will Robinson Cano be a New York Met after today? I don't think so. I think it's that is clearly over. I mean, it's 
remember, he uh, he spent all uh, last season suspended. He's an old guy. Uh, all the steroid use, all those issues. For a guy that was a magnificent player way back when with the Yankees and the Mariners, I think it's over. Uh, I don't even think about him as a Met, to be honest. So um, it, if it's not over today, it'll be over sometime in the near future. So if you're well, watching no, the Mets because be... of Robbie Cano, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> it's got to be today. They're yeah, going to have to cut yeah. the roster yeah. by uh, two guys. It's going to be either him or the dude Smith, whatever. Either way, listen. Well, well Dr. Uh... Smith had a big game last night. That, that kind of helps him. So we'll he see. sure did. He, 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 exactly right. Listen, uh, the White House correspondence dinner went down over the weekend. Uh, you had the, the scary Poppins. You saw the front page of the New York Post. I played the song of the, the leader, the woman who's going to run the Ministry of Truth, the woman who pushed all kinds of hoaxes and fake news. She's going to be the, uh, the she's going to run the Ministry of Truth here, led by Mayorkas. She's going to work for Mayorkas. I played the song, her singing the Mary Poppins song. And the front page of the New York Post was absolutely hilarious. Scary Poppins. So you have that. You have, uh, of course, uh, Elon Musk going at it with the AOC, trying to match wits. That's like, uh, you know, Joan Hamburg trying to box Mike Tyson, for God's sake. <laughs> AOC, you're outmatched. Oh, my Shut God. Up. And, uh, look, tomorrow you have a, a big Ohio Senate primary. You have five guys running for the Republican primary to, to, to run in November for the Senate. And one guy was endorsed by Trump. Uh, his name is J.D. Vance. He yep. wrote Hillbilly yep. Elegy. Yep. And uh, anyway, uh, he sh- shot up ahead in the polls after the endorsement. Uh, this was Trump uh, yesterday. Well, this was Trump over the weekend on the endorsement. Cut eight, please. Hello, Ohio. Thank you very much. Come on up, J.D. He's a guy that said some bad shit about me. But you know what? Every one of the others did also. So that's funny. So, yeah, they did, all five of them. But J.D. Vance explained, uh, well, this is what he explained. Play cut nine, please, Lou. I was having a milkshake with my kid on Good Friday, and I got a phone call from the president. You know, who could not be surprised the president's calling you, telling he's going to endorse you? You did call yourself a never-Trumper, though. Sure. Uh, six years is not quite never. I think a lot of people who were very critical of Trump early on, you know, we became converted. and We became converted because Trump was a great president. There you have it, and it makes all the sense in the world. Uh, you are uh, Exhibit A, Sid Rosenberg. You and a lot of other people. A guy I used to partner up with on uh, O'Reilly's show, uh, Greg Gutfeld, a Never Trump. I used to go on Gutfeld's Saturday night show, and it was such a hostile atmosphere. They were all Never Trumpers, all of them, including Greg. I was a, a uh, I of course was four square for Donald Trump, and they hated me for it. I was getting all the applause from the audience. And uh, they weren't getting any of the applause. And anyway, it was very, very tense, tense-filled uh, appearances. And and quite frankly, those those were my final appearances on the show. Yeah. Uh, listen, there was a lot of uh, shooting over the weekend, a lot of violence. Uh, and by the way, uh, John Katzmatidis, he made an appearance on Fox News. One of his Upper East Side uh, Gristides was robbed. Yeah, last week. Tied somebody up and threw him in a uh, freezer or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, you know what, just for the hell of it, play Cut 26. This is Mr. Katsimatidis on Fox News Thursday night on the crime in this city, including his store, 26. 
We are mad as hell and we can't take it anymore. New York City is the greatest city in the world. And I've talked to the police commissioner. I've talked to the uh, commissioner, the chief of detectives. There's 3,000 violent criminals that are creating the problem. If we took those 3,000 criminals and put them in jails, then 90% of the problem is, is fixed. But the people in Albany that make the laws don't seem to understand that. And it's really ridiculous. And I said to the people up in Albany, I said to them, your responsibility is to eight and a half million New Yorkers, not the 3,000 violent criminals. And I said that over and over again. It used to be three strikes and you're out. Well, the, some of these has eight, 10, 12, 14, 20. At what point do you want to throw away the key? And they shouldn't be hanging around civilized world. Is it 10? Is it 15? Is it 20? You know, pick a number. Katz is mad as hell, and he's right. And I mentioned that many times on this show. Three strikes and you're out. Listen, there was a, a, a By the way, he does, there is, a, there is a, uh, a reward out there for this, $10,000 that John has put up. If you catch these up people. No, it was 10000 initially. Maybe it's more than that now, but it was 10000 yeah. initially. So, Well, okay. Well, That's a nice payday. Let's hope somebody comes in. I hope the guy got a day off anyway. <laughs> uh, listen, there was uh, uh, horrific uh, shootings across the city over the weekend, one in particular in Forest Hills, a Chinese food delivery man, the Great Wall Chinese food, he was delivering for them, shot and killed. Now, I'm going to play this clip for a reason. Channel 7 did a report. Lucy Yang did a report on that, and she incorporated Eric Adams in the report. I'm going to play it and opine on the other side. Cut 31, please, Lou. Somebody, somebody kill, kill my husband. Catch him. I heard across the board, it's time to get back to the basics. Among the basics, clamped down on fare beaters as the first step towards fighting crime on the subways. It worked for former Mayor Rudy Giuliani. They are going to try it again. So there you have it. Now, first of all, let's put a face to the uh, crime. That That is a woman who lost her husband. doesn't matter that they're immigrants and he's just a delivery man. He's a, he's a human being, and he was killed. That's A. And B, now you have Eric Adams. Remember, he came on this show, and I said, hey, you're going back to the broken windows policy. He goes, let me be clear about this. I'm not going back to the broken. Well, guess what? He, he was going back to it uh, when, when we, b- before we had him on because he called his uh, precinct commanders to a meeting, and he told them to do this. But Lucy Yang pointed it out. Go get the fair beaters. That's the broken windows policy. And they finally did, did Lucy Yang, the fake news, give Rudy Giuliani some credit Eric Adams should have spoken to Rudy Giuliani a long time ago instead of visiting Biden in the White House or going to see a Lori Lightfoot in Chicago for tips on, you know, solving the crime problem. For God's sake, you have the answer right here in our hometown. Rudy Giuliani saved thousands and thousands and thousands of lives, black lives, because he knew what he was doing. So anyway, Eric Adams uh, finally getting religion because it's just gotten exponentially worse since he took over as mayor. And, uh, look, i got a lot more news coming up, uh, the White House Correspondents' Dinner, uh, Joe Biden, everything. Also, the AOC versus uh, Elon Musk thing. You have uh, Scary Poppins, which I talked about. And uh, traffic and sports coming up next. But right now it is time for the 77 WABC Clip of the Day. Listen to the Cats Roundtable every Sunday morning starting at 8 o'clock. Here John talks with Newt Gingrich. America is under attack. What's the update on American... And I'm worried about America. Well, I think, John, I think anybody who loves America has to be worried. I look at the growing evidence of the Biden 
family as a corrupt, you know, they're almost like a criminal family in the old-fashioned mafia sense. I mean, you look at how the, the brothers and the son work, and you look at how Biden misused the office of the vice president, and it is it's the most astonishingly deep corruption at the level of the White House in American history. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Forty-four on your Monday morning, back here on Bernie and Sid, the number one Nielsen-rated news talk show in uh, New York City. Big show coming up today, which Lowry, 7 o'clock hour, Andrew Giuliani, 8 o'clock hour, Kenny Albert in the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, you know, quickly, Saturday, for the first time, I've uh, lived in my new address, Bernard, for a month. Saturday was the first time that Danielle and I actually went to the beach. And i got to tell you, it was only 61 degrees and for some reason, and this is a statistical fact, uh, windy, very, very windy this year, on record as the windiest April in the history, I think. But we uh, went out and bought some beach chairs, which are very, very expensive. Supply chain issues, beach chairs, 80 to 100 bucks, no matter where you buy them. And uh, we made our way to the beach about 1.30 Saturday afternoon, sat there for about two hours. And the two of us looked like we went to Puerto Rico for a week. I swear to God. What really? a beautiful day. Uh, you 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 must be ecstatic, as they say in my old hood, very ecstatic uh, in your new neighborhood. Because uh, I remember when I first moved to the beach, the novelty didn't really wear off for a couple of years. I mean, it's just it's an amazing place to be by the water, just just like that within walking distance. Yeah, it's incredible, and I know you love it. And now you're there, and uh, you just got to be over the moon over the whole thing. I am. And, uh, again, she looks great this morning, Danielle, and, and feels great. And it just does something for you. You mentioned uh, Elon Musk in that first segment. And the top story, top story right now at NewYorkPost.com, believe it or not, is a Twitter story. And I just literally did his commercial about six minutes ago. And we're talking about Mike Lindell and my pillow, Mind you. I did get mattress toppers from me, Danielle, Ava, and Gabe from my new house. And of all the products, I love the pillow. So does Bernie. Love the slippers. So does Bernie. All the products. I think Bernie would agree those mattress toppers make a huge difference in, in a night's sleep. And I just did that commercial six minutes ago. And the top story is, once again, Mike Lindell has been suspended and or banned from Twitter. Well, how about that? Yeah, I don't understand that. I read the story. I don't understand what precipitated. He got back on. He was. Uh, he tweeted that he got back on, and then. But he off. used a different account. So, in other words, he's got a My Pillow Mike Lindell account. Now he came back with a different account. I didn't know this. I guess you're not allowed to do that. It's like you can't have a second account or a new account, and they booted him after that. It wasn't something he said necessarily the first time he got banned because he defended Donald Trump. And he said, yes, the election was rigged, it was rigged, it was rigged, time and time again. And eventually, Dorsey booted him. I guess this time you can't change your Twitter name? 
I guess. Well, keep in mind, Elon Musk is not in control of Twitter just yet. Right. So uh, whatever it is, it's the, uh, you know, it's the old, the old woke tards still running the joint. Uh, but so I, I just don't understand it. Uh, either way, I think it'll be fine when Musk finally does take it over, as will uh, uh, half the country will be fine when Musk takes it over, maybe more than half the country. Still, already people are getting, uh, you know, uh, maybe have you experienced this? People on the right are seeing their followers increase by the yes. thousands, tens yes. of thousands. Yes. Have you experienced No, that no, well? I haven't. I actually only have about 33,000 followers, and I think I've gone up about 1,000 since I started retweeting again last week because I was pretty much off Twitter for a long time. So I haven't experienced that, but I know what you're saying is true. My last tweet was on Saturday, and I tweeted, and I quote, I hope Jack Brewer takes Joy Reid to the cleaners. And it got retweeted and liked about a million times because everybody knows that story, the ultimate, the epitome of racist Joy Reid on MSNBC. And Jack Brewer, the former New York Giant, Philadelphia Eagle, Minnesota Viking linebacker, now on Fox News, uh, is going after her and is suing her. It's a great story. That was my last tweet. And obviously it got a lot of likes on Twitter. Well, it's funny you should bring that up because uh, today is he's filing suit today. And he, they have till today to, to apologize. MSNBC and she has to apologize. Both of them have to publicly apologize to him, or he's going through with the suit because of what she said. She said he appeared in a, uh, a commercial with with his kids. Jack Brewer, former NFL guy, as you know, said he does a lot for disadvantaged kids, black kids in particular, and uh, he appeared in a commercial, Ron DeSantis commercial, which uh, eradicated, you know, extolling the virtues of eradicating critical race theory from the curriculums in, in Florida schools. And she said that that was a child abuse, tantamount to child abuse, and that really, really stuck in his craw, hurt his feelings. And so he's suing her, and she has to, they have till today to either to, to apologize and withdraw the statement or the, the lawsuit goes forward. Lawsuit will go forward. You mentioned black kids. I wanted to make that point earlier, too, when I mentioned yesterday morning Silver Shields breakfast, Cops for Cops, where once again Bernie and I received this uh, very, very prestigious Integrity in Journalism Award. And I will tell you that when they invited up all the families of the slain police officers over the last couple of years, because this is the first breakfast they've had in three years, there were a heck of a lot of families that were African-American. So while BLM yells and screams about white cops and white cops and white cops, or cops in general, but mostly white cops, that's their issue, let's face it, a a lot of black families that were grieving uh, husbands and sons and wives and daughters that were murdered on the job at yesterday's breakfast, and it just... It just, again, you know, it makes it very, very clear that all this stuff going on today, BLM and all this yelling and screaming, it really is just a bunch of nonsense. Total nonsense, garbage, a scam organization, a con organization, a racist organization. People may go to jail. California, of all places, liberal, the, the People's Republic of California, inve- formal investigation of Black Lives Matter. Look, we, we, we know what happened. We saw what happened during the 2020 riots. Black Lives Matter, they pushed all this. Uh, all, they pushed, I, I, I just heard a blast of lightning outside my house. Yeah, we, I see it here, me. too, in New York City. There have been a really strong lightning, it looks it like. It just shook me a little bit because <laughs> I, it sounded like a, you know, a house blew up, for God's sake. Uh, but anyway, yes, uh, Black Lives Matter, the riots, they pushed the riots, and uh, they encouraged all this disrespect for police causing really the crime wave we're witnessing now, 
Uh, so they have blood on their hands. They, they don't care about black lives at all. They, they care about themselves. They're a socialist communist organization, racist communist organization that hates this country, hates the nuclear family, and they're just a bunch of garbage. And, and, and any of you white jackasses out there that put BLM signs on your lawns <clears throat> and you, you, you CEOs of uh, these corporations like Coca-Cola and a dude that runs um, uh, you know, the NFL, Roger Goodell, I mentioned it a million times, uh, even Rob Manfred and a, and a bunch of these uh, sports teams, including, uh, I believe, the New York Mets got swept up in this crap. Uh, all these people caved to them. A shame on you guys. You caved when, when the chips were down. You were biting your nails, sucking your thumb, hiding under the desk, and you caved to a bunch of creepy, god-awful, uh, half-terrorists, these people. <laughs> but everything I said before, racist, uh, you know, communist, all that stuff. And now we see. We, you reap what you sow. We see the crime wave that's going on, and they don't care about anybody in this. They, they, all the money they've gotten, they never gave anything back to Minneapolis or any other city in this country. It exposes a scam, another hoax. Another, you, you, Ministry of Truth, let's get on the Black Lives Matter narrative. Go on to that. The, the whole the crap pushing the, the phony narrative that cops are shooting unarmed black men. You know, by the thousands. Yeah, no, it's not true. It's not true. Just not true. It's not true. So last one, uh, you know, I don't watch a lot of network TV, not appointment setting, I should say. I watch a lot of sports. I watch Jesse Waters. Uh, I'll watch, I, I do like shows like, I used to like Blackish, that's off the air now, but I don't watch a lot of network TV. I spend most of my time watching Netflix or um, Amazon Prime, those types of things. But I do like American Idol. I, I have to admit I like it. Uh, I think they're all idiots, Katy Perry and uh, Lionel Richie and Luke Bryan, I do. But I like the kids, they're talented, and I just enjoy the whole thing. So we're down to the final ten. We're down to the final ten. And where does the competition take place? A place that I went to many, many times living in South Florida, a place that I used to really, really love, then I hated it by the time I left, and now I really hate it, Disneyland. Oh, Disney World, excuse me. So watching this last night, it didn't matter how good the kids were. It didn't matter whether the judges had a funny interaction back and forth. I have to tell you, I was so turned off by the whole Disney thing. The whole Disney thing. She comes out, Katy Perry dressed as uh, the Little Mermaid. And I'm saying to myself, oh, my God, these people have become absolute wretches. They're disgusting. They are the ones at the forefront right now of what's everything wrong in this country, and I couldn't even watch it. It's it just it, you get to the point where Disney, Disney becomes unwatchable because of politics. You know, Bernard, there's a huge issue in this country. Uh, terrible. Yeah, it's a huge issue. Uh, look, I would just posit that American Idol probably taped all this nonsense. Nope. Before nope. the uh, nope, it was live oh, last really? night. It was live. In fact, at oh, one point. You, you, after the first girl performed, she's a country music singer, Luke Bryan got all choked up, and he was talking about the tragic passing of Naomi Judd, oh, really? who just died this oh, weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, Disney owns ABC. They're all woke, uh, a creepy, America-hating, uh, Black Lives Matter-supporting organizations. Uh, so, yeah, Disney is uh, putting in their programming. You know, trans, you know, like Minnie Mouse might transition or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> oh my God. They're really putting that stuff in their cartoons. For I know. Kids. I know. They actually had the same God. sex kiss. They brought it back for the uh, movie Lightyear. But according to our good friend Joyce Kaufman on Friday, even though Ron DeSantis wants to remove uh, that uh, that autonomous government that Disney has down in South Florida, like the government in uh, in the in Vatican City, she says it looks like that's going to be very very difficult. 
Well, that's what she, yeah, I, I, I'm not privy to. I don't know, not on top of all of the uh, rules, but Ron DeSantis is adamant. He said on Thursday night, no, it's going to happen, and it's going to be a good thing. So I don't know who to believe. I don't know where it's going to go. But either way, if you stand for principle and forget about the money part of it, you still want to kick Disney the hell out or, yep. or just stop them from, uh, you know, getting uh, special exemptions and benefits and ta- tax tax uh, exemptions, all that stuff, because of what they're doing. They're ruining kids. They're encouraging 11-year-old girls to get mastectomies and, uh, you know, 12-year-old boys to get their wieners whacked off. I mean, it's just absolutely, it's child abuse. Yep. It's terrible. Agreed. It's and, on, and on a side note, a guy that texted me and said to me, can I come on your show every Thursday? Bernie, he went to come on with you and I every Thursday after his first appearance. And then after I called him on his cell phone and ripped him a new a-hole and then ripped him apart the very next day on our show, I've never heard from the guy again talking about Disney, Ron DeSantis, the parental act. Swazi, Tom Swazi has never texted and or called me again. Good riddance. No, he's not going to uh, either, I don't think, because he knows we're not going to be pushovers. We're not going to roll over for him and buy his BS, his crap. I mean, you can't, you can't one day support the Parental Rights Act and having uh, teachers not talk sex to kids and the next day said, well, what I said was inartful. You just can't do that. You can't flip-flop like that. You can't go on, uh, you know, uh, one show and say one thing and go on another show and, and say another thing. So he's going to stop trying to persuade people like you and me and our audience uh, that he is some sort of reasonable guy. He's not. He's going to stick to, uh, you know, the familiar, friendly uh, venues is what he's going to do. He's, I, I, just, I, I always thought he was a sleazy, oily uh, politician. He lied to us, too. Remember, he said, you know, I could stay in Congress for yeah. as long as I want. No, you yeah. can't. There's going to be a red wave. You could get your ass kicked out this November <laughs> if you ran for Congress again. You really would. That's true. Uh, so, so he tried to run that bias. And I'm like, what do you think? We're, we're, we're morons? We had your opponent on. He, you, you won by a, by a hair. We had your opponent on. He was the designated winner until uh, the mail-in ballots came in. And then you won by, like, uh, you know, like three votes. Yep. So, no, he would, he would get his ass kicked out. Yet he still tried to run that crap by us. So, uh, Tom Swazi, you are your garbage. And uh, still, I hope Kathy Hochul. I do hope Kathy Hochul wins because people will buy some of his crap, and it will give our Republican nominee a harder time in November if Tom Swazi is the nominee. One of those Republican nominees is Andrew Giuliani. He'll join us at eight forty this morning. I know Rob Bastarino, one of the top three, will join us tomorrow morning at eight forty. So we're covering this governor's race better than anybody. Also, Rich Lowry and Kenny Albert. About to come your way today. A great hour number one. Bernie and Sid in the morning. We'll come back on this Monday morning with hour number two right after this. We are New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Talk Radio 77. WBC. Come on, feet. Start moving. Got to get That's me there. Get me there. Thank you in the Bernie and Sitch. Let it go. Let it go, Lou. Let's go. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Back here in the Bernie and Sitch. It seems like 25 miles to go on its Monday morning at 6.30. Five days, baby. Five days till Friday. Well, four days, whatever the hell. 
however you want to figure it out. Uh, listen, we heard everywhere on the 77 WABC app simulcast out on Eastern Long Island, News Talk 107.1 FM. And, again, a lot of news out there, a lot of stuff happening, a lot of stuff for over the weekend. The Fake News Sunday shows you had that ball-headed jerk, Mayorkas, just ball-faced lying uh, on the Sunday morning shows. Just terrible. This guy's going to be in charge of the Ministry of Truth. Uh, Sid, and we talked about uh, Elon Musk versus AOC. Before that, AOC has put a name to a petition to get rid of the Ed Koch, the name, the Ed Koch Bridge, you know, the 59th Street Bridge. She wants to get rid of Ed Koch because he was he was slow to respond to the AIDS crisis, they say. And uh, Ed Koch was, by the way, I'll call her a uh, anti-Semitic homophobe. How about that? Because he was gay and he was Jewish. And I'll play some identity politics and uh, level that charge at her. That's uh, old, right, it, I said it. I look, That's it, right. In the 55 years I've been here, and I've spent 38 of those 55 in New York, uh, Rudy Giuliani was the best mayor, and Ed Koch was second. That's it. No question. No question about it. And then she got into it also with uh, Elon Musk. I mentioned this earlier. Uh, she put this long tweet. I'm tired of having to, to collectively stress about what explosion of hate crimes is happening because some billionaire with an ego problem unilaterally controls a massive communications platform and skews it because Tucker Carlson or Peter, shut the hell up, you idiot. So she was going after Elon Musk. You know, it took her like a, a, a thousand words. And, uh, you know, brevity, brevity, Shakespeare once said, brevity is the soul of wit. So she goes with this long uh, uh, Twitter post thing, and he writes back, quote, stop hitting on me. I'm really shy. Unquote. <laughs> How brilliant is that? Of That's course, funny. she, she, you know, the the about a month ago, she said that these Republicans who who attack me, they just want to date me, they want to have sex with me, or something like that. And he came back with that, and it was beautiful. And then she put out some uh, tweet to try to go back at him, and, and she's no, you know, to try to match wits for her, a stupid dingbat like uh, this this idiot former bartender who barely squeaked by in Boston. Uh, University, I mean, like I said earlier, it's like uh, Joan Hamburg trying to fight box Mike Tyson. <laughs> AOC going after Elon Musk. Uh, match wits with Elon Musk. Don't even try, lady, you moron. So anyway, yeah, I mentioned uh, also earlier that this big uh, Senate primary tomorrow in Ohio, a test of Donald Trump's juice. Uh, I, I, I didn't mention that uh, of the five candidates who are running, Donald Trump endorsed J.D. Vance, the author of Hillbilly Elegy, and he was a never-Trumper, as it were a lot of people. But the other people who are campaigning for candidates in Ohio, putting their juice on the line is Ted Cruz and Rand Paul. They're backing different people. Uh, so uh, we'll see tomorrow what happens. But this guy, Vance, actually shot up uh, real quick. He shot up uh, in the polls. He's number one right now. And, uh, of course, uh, let's see. We had oh, oh, yes, we had another explosion out there. We had the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Oh, my God. Just Something just fell out here because of the lightning. Uh, Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg. Now, the, the White House Correspondents' Dinner, it was in a room with a bunch of unmasked people. Uh, Joe Biden showed up, the old imbecile himself. He actually showed up. No mask. Yet they want to make uh, – they're, they're appealing the ruling from the judge that said that uh, you don't have to wear a mask on airplanes and on buses and stuff like that, uh, believe it or not. And yet they're sitting there inside, indoors, no mask, when airplanes have these ventilation systems that are, are excellent. They're, they're, they're top-notch, top quality. Either way, uh, this is cut four. Sneaky Pete was on uh, Fox News, and he was asked about the hypocrisy. Take a listen to this. 
You just told me you're going to the White House Correspondents' Dinner. The president's going to the White House Correspondents' Dinner. You're not mandated to wear a mask there. But the administration at the same time is fighting a lawsuit to mandate people on planes, trains, and automobiles, or trains and buses to wear masks. So, like, if you're sitting at home, there's a disconnect here. Well, I think uh, most of us understand the difference between a hotel ballroom and an airplane. Yeah, I think we do, you, you stupid uh, little fake uh, stolen valor phony, you little mutt, you, you moron. Of course, planes are a lot safer than a hotel ballroom, a lot safer. So anyway, they well, had they're that. all safe. They're all safe. I, I have to tell you that every day I take the ferry home, I know I'm supposed to wear a mask, Bernie. I know it, okay? I have not shown up one day with a mask. I wait for the person to yell at me. It's usually right before I go on the ferry. And on a sunny day, I'm like, listen, listen, I'm going to the second floor. It's outside. You don't have to wear a mask out there. Leave me alone. A day like today where it's raining, I'll have to sit inside, and they're going to make me wear a mask. And I sit there, and I'm like stewing for 20 minutes. And I have to say to myself, Sid, we've been doing this for two and a half years. This is nothing new. Get over it. But I have to tell you, I really have a difficult time. Enough already. Leave me the F alone. Leave me alone. Absolutely. It's over. Stop. Stop the madness. Stop. Please, I'm begging you. So then they have like this little concession bar on the ferry quickly. So if the sign says, while you take a bite of your Snickers bar, for example, pull the mask down. Once you are done chewing, pull it right up. Uh, I mean, come on. Blow me. I'm taking this stupid thing off. Idiots. Idiots. Morons. Uh, yeah. It's it, 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 What? When you take it down while you're eating? You're somehow safe? Is that what they're trying to tell you? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it makes no sense. Oh, come it's idiotic. On. It's anti-science. I mean, th- these people that say, oh, everything else is anti-science. This is totally anti-science. Speaking of anti-science, this, uh, again, I mentioned this moron yesterday. He was on, uh, he was on uh, all the Sunday morning shows. He made the rounds, did this guy Mayorkas. And here he is. This is, uh, let's, this is cut number 23 of his lies yesterday on the Sunday morning show. This guy's going to run the Ministry of Truth, ladies and gentlemen, and he's lying. This is Cut 23. Please play it, Lou. We're not talking about releasing individuals into the United States. Yes, if they you are. are not successful, they are promptly removed from the country. We prepare and we plan and we've been doing so for months. That if, in fact, we reach that number, that is going to be an extraordinary strain on our system. We'll be vaccinating non-citizens who are encountered at the border. We're talking about individuals who are claiming fear of persecution, economic despair, violence, corruption, extreme weather events. What we need countries to do is to apply their laws, and we need countries to the south to manage their borders. Just a sample of the lies he told. The border is closed. The border is closed, and we're, we're, we're not letting people in. I mean, come on. This is guys. So anyway... I, I I did that to warm up uh, this next clip. This was great. This was yesterday when this uh, Mayorkas was in front of the uh, House committee, I don't know, whatever committee it was. They were grilling him on, uh, of course, the border. And they got into his allegation that uh, domestic terrorism, particularly white supremacy, is the biggest threat to face the nation right now. Forget about the cartel sending over fentanyl that's killing tens of thousands of Americans Etc. Etc. The crime waves in the cities, white supremacy. Now, this Ohio congressman, his name is Greg Stubbe. This is cut number one, though. He grilled this moron on uh, just that white supremacy, and it was uh, it was a master uh, display on the part of this uh, congressman, Greg Stubbe. 
versus uh, the, the Ministry of Truth that Mayorkas. Cut number one. Please play it, Lou. ...that we just flushed out here. How many cases involving white supremacists and domestic terrorists have you referred to DOJ for prosecution? Congressman, let me... Um, it's let a me, simple... Let me, do you not have the number? It's no, a simple but, but number. You've made, you've made some profoundly inaccurate statements. No. That I would like the opportunity to correct. I'm specifically is, asking you a question. You just clarified. Domestic terrorism is a threat to the homeland, number one threat. And I'm asking you, how many referrals from Homeland Security have you made to DOJ for white supremacy or domestic terrorism? Congressman, I will provide uh, you with that information. So you don't know? Subsequent to this hearing, I do not have. Do you, can statistic. you name one case? That statistic. Can you name um, one case of a referral from DHS to Cong- DOJ for domestic terrorism? Congressman, I will provide the data to you. And let I'm me asking just, you, you can't name one me, case. And let me just say. Okay, so you can't name one case yet. According to a new report from the U.S. Department of Justice, almost half of all the criminals prosecuted in federal courts in 2018 were aliens charged with crimes ranging from drug trafficking to murder and to kidnapping. And the vast majority, 38,000, were illegal immigrants. But it's still domestic terrorism is the number one cause of uh, your concerns. There you have it. I mean, you couldn't have laid it out any better. It's just uh, we're being led by buffoons. We're being led by people who don't have our interests at heart. And that's a perfect example right there that the Mayorkas guy, I really hope he not only gets impeached but gets arrested. I mean, he has really, he has blood on his hands, oh, and it's actually infuriating. It really is. Now, back to the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Uh, of course, uh, Joe Biden was there, and here is a little clip of uh, some of the some of the jokes, the self-deprecating jokes that Joe Biden did Who was on the, his uh, own. Was it Trevor Noah? Was he the host? It was Trevor Noah. Yeah, he sucks, we're, we're gonna, too. We're, we're going to get sucks. to him momentarily. Cut 19, Biden at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, Louie. Special thanks to the 42% of you actually applauded. <laughs> I'm really excited to be here tonight with the only group of Americans with a lower approval rating than I have. What? This is the first time the president attended this dinner in six Stupid. years. Yeah. That was smart. It's why. understandable. We had a horrible plague, followed by two years of COVID. The Republicans seem to support one fella, some guy named Brandon. He's having a really good year, and I'm kind of happy for him. There you go. There he is. I have to tell you, though, the the, uh, COVID plague joke was funny. It was. It was a good joke. You get a a decent comedy comedy writer, and if you don't screw up the delivery, right. You get a you get a decent joke out. And of just it. so you know, the reason why he said forty two percent. This is uh, you have to explain this to me again. I'm sorry, I'm not as smart as you. Joe Biden's approval rating last month was thirty seven percent. Joe Biden's approval rating this month has gone up to forty two percent. That's why he used the number forty two at the dinner. Can you tell me those five percent of people what the hell they saw over the last month that they decided to change? From he's doing a bad job to a good job. Tell me something. He did well. I got nothing for you, bro. Nothing. <laughs> not, not a damn thing. He's done nothing well. He's done everything wrong. Everything wrong. And a lot of it is intentional. It's wrong to us. But to them, it's, uh, you know, that's what they want. They want to ruin the energy sector here. They want the price of gas to go up so you don't use it. Uh, check that off. Success for uh, the left. And, of course, the, the border. They want this is intentional. Let, all, let the world come in here. Because who, who, for, who knows what reason? Cheap labor uh, for votes? Who knows what? 
but he's being controlled by somebody. He's the Trojan horse, and that's their agenda is to let everybody in the world come here. And so far, so good. Now, you mentioned Trevor Noah. Here's Trevor Noah. This is cut 28 and 30, Lou. Play cut 28 and 30 together. Trevor Noah hosted the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Here are a couple of yuccarinos from this clown. COVID risk aside, can I just say how happy I am that this event is happening again for the first time in three years? Yeah. And the truth is I want us all to have a good time tonight. So please, everyone relax. You know, I know everyone in this room is worried about who catches you laughing at what. And just chill. Just chill. We're celebrating. We're out. You know, get comfortable. Not too comfortable, Jeffrey Tubin. Not too comfortable. <laughs> no, you know what? Mr. President, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me here. You know, I was a little confused about why me, but then I was told that you get your highest approval ratings when a biracial African guy is standing next to you. So, uh... There you have it. So lame, so terrible, so awful. I mean, I watched so you didn't have to, and I grabbed a couple of these jokes. You know who was actually funny over the weekend was Bill Maher. Yeah, was he? Bill Maher. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he he actually uh, he did this. Uh, well, remember Elon Musk tweeted out, "I'm going to put cocaine back in Coca-Cola." Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bill Maher did a joke on that. Cut three. Go ahead, Lou. You see what Elon did? I thought this was pretty funny. He tweeted right after he bought it. He said, "And now I'm going to buy Coca-Cola, so I can so I can put the cocaine back in." Uh, which, okay, but. Uh, it's all fun and games until Hunter Biden gets his head stuck in the vending machine. And then, you know, that was pretty good. That was funny. Because that was good. We'll go with cut 20. Play one more of Bill Maher's jokes. Cut 20, please, Lou Rafino, Bill Maher. Now, how many here are old enough to remember that uh, this weekend is the 30th anniversary of the L.A. riots? Was anybody here for them? Let's hear it for the L.A. riot. No, I, <laughs> 30, no. To, to commemorate the occasion, no. <laughs> Today, uh, Will Smith uh, slapped a Korean grocery clerk. I, 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 that's funny. Yeah, that's funny right there. That's funny. You know, one you, more you'd, thing. You'd have to know the whole Rodney King story behind that to really appreciate that joke, which most of us do, but that was very funny, yes. Uh, one more. Uh, there was uh, Trevor Noah did a joke on everything's going up, up, up including inflation and uh, crime and inflation. And when he said inflation, they cut to Joe, uh, uh, Joe Biden laughing hysterically, uproariously laughing at, at an inflation joke. That is going to become a, a, a campaign ad <laughs> this coming uh, fall uh, for the Democrats. They're going to say, this is what the Democrats think of inflation and you. They're going to show Joe Biden laughing after Trevor Noah does a Oh, you mean for the, for the Republicans? Joke. For the Republicans, yeah. For the Republicans, right, yeah. Right, right. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, so it's, it was a disaster all around. It was horrible. I don't know who could possibly go to an event like that, but people do. I've been invited to them in the past. I never went, and nor would I uh, ever no. go in the future. Although the Iron Man, one... our guy, the Iron Man, he, um, you know, he that was a big deal when he went to do the uh, the Clinton one, right? And then he went, he went off on uh, Bill and Hillary, and that was one yeah. of the more famous moments in his career. Uh, right, and I helped him write some of the jokes. That, that was the ra- that was the, not the White House correspondence. Oh. That was the radio and TV correspondence. Oh, okay. People mix those up, but uh, either way, it was a big prestigious deal back in the day when he did it, and uh, he had to run for cover uh, following <laughs> that event. He really he was like shooken by it. He was sh- he was shaken up uh, because you know C-SPAN used to put us on 
that used to put the Imus in the Morning show on, they simulcast it. That was where these networks got the ideas for putting um, morning radio shows on their TV. Mm-hmm. And they did. that's why MSNBC put us on, because they saw us on C-SPAN. Either way, uh, so Imus was a big national deal back then, and that's why he got invited to do what he did. We were also simulcast uh, down in uh, Washington, D.C. on a radio station as well. Wow. So all the local, all the politicians listen. Either way, yeah, he ran for cover, but ultimately it helped his career. And uh, Bill Clinton never talked to him after that, uh, after that particular night. But, uh, yeah, it was a big, a big night. It got Imus national attention. And the rest is history, Sid Rosenberg. Uh, now we have Rich Lowry coming up this hour. And next hour we have Andrew Giuliani. And uh, 1-800-848-9222 is, is the number. We're coming right back. Seven thirty on your rainy Monday morning. Back here on the Bernie and Sid in the Morning Show on Talk Radio seventy seven WABC. Just ahead of Rich Lowry, the editor of the National Review. Great every Monday, Andrew Giuliani. If you haven't heard this kid yet, and you're in the bag for Lee Zeldin or, or Rob Astorino, you don't want to hear Andrew. He's coming up at uh, eight forty, and then it looks like Kenny Albert at nine twenty five on the Rangers and the Penguins. So you just played um, some real good audio. From the White House correspondents, Dinner Byrne and Joe Biden and uh, Trevor Noah and some Bill Maher stuff, too. But you remember uh, last week that I gave you credit uh, during our conversation with Donald Trump going back four years ago when he was on with you and I. Our first week, we were placed on IMUS on a Monday morning in April. And that fifth show on that Friday, you and I had Trump on. And I said, you remember, Byrne, you asked him at the time about the White House, uh, the White House correspondence dinner. You remember that? Is Bernie even I would there? Like to, I'd yeah. like, like to point out also that uh, Donald Trump came on on our fourth or fifth day on the radio as a favor to me. That is That's true. The kind of guy he, he is a loyal guy because I was supporting him. He saw me on Fox News for years, uh, the, the a couple of years leading up to his election, and that's how he paid us back. He, he did, is, and that. In the radio, that was his first radio interview of his uh, whole tenure as president. And the only one he so did for was, a very, very long time. And he actually gave Bernie the choice. You can come visit me at the White House, or I'll go on your show. And Bernie, being the great team player that he is, said, come on the show. That was a great job by you, Bernie. It really was. So anyway, I told you last week, I liked it when you asked him that question. Let's take a walk down memory lane. Yes, I have the crack staff here. Go back and find this. April of 2018, White House Correspondents' Dinner a couple of days away, and here's the exchange between Bernard and, at the time, President Donald Trump. Last year at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, you held a rally instead of going there. So my question to you is, will you do the same thing this year, the night of the White House Correspondents' Dinner? Well, you know, I did the Gridiron Dinner a few weeks ago, and that was really terrific. We had a lot of fun, and it was good. But I I sort of feel that the press is so bad it's so fake yeah it's so made up i mean sources say and they have no sources they're like novelists i I call them novelists they make up the sources now in some cases they're sources but then they won't do it correctly either but in many cases they literally make up sources you know nine sources within the white house have said there are no nine sources so 
I just think that I want to get it straightened out with the press before I do it. So it's probably pretty unlikely I won't do it. I didn't do it last year. I had a rally instead, which yeah, it was, was great. It was great. It was dinner, fu- much yeah. funnier. The, yeah. Right. And the dinner was a massive fad. Yes, yes. So there he is, uh, President Donald Trump with me and Bernie. While we're at it, before Rich Lowry comes on, did make mention that the two best records in Major League Baseball right now have the Yankees. They've won nine in a row. They've got the best record. They're 16 and six. The second best record in baseball, the New York Mets. And when Trump was on with you and I, we asked him about that one, too. If you had tickets to both on the same day, the Mets and the Yankees, President Trump, where would you end up? A little walk down memory lane. I'm going to turn you from President Trump, who, again, we both think you're doing a fantastic job, Thanks. back to Donald Trump, the New Yorker. You ready? It's opening day in New York. The weather's lousy. It's still going. But you've got tickets, box seats, to both the Mets and the Yankees. Where does Donald Trump end up, in the Bronx or in Queens? Well, you're going to get me in a lot of trouble, but I think both teams, because, you know, I know, I know even the players, okay, in a lot of cases, because, you know, I, I'm a baseball fan, and I'm, I, I like both teams. Randy is so great. Will Ponds are really good people, and so don't put me in that position. No, fellas, okay? We withdraw both the question. Both of them are exciting. You know, yes. they, have, they have some pretty good – and the Yankees, what they did with uh, Stanton, that's going to be – I think that's going to be a great – you know, that's one that almost – you know, famous last words. That's a player that almost can't fail. But I guess, you know, people have said that about players before. Right, Only to have a bus. But I think he's going to be great. And you got to, you really do. You're going to have two exciting teams that I want them both to do. I hate to be political. See, in the old days, I wouldn't have answered the question that way. In the old days, I would have told you. But, look, I really like the Will Ponds a lot. And Randy Levine and the Steinbrenners, are, these are phenomenal people. And uh, so I'll take a pass, but I, I really enjoy both teams a lot. And, of course, the Wolfpons are no longer there. Steve Cohen now owns the New York Mets. But just imagine you and I trying to have that same conversation, whether you asked about the White House correspondence dinner, Bernie, or I asked about the Mets and Yankees. Just imagine you and I trying to have that same conversation with Joseph R. Biden. How would that go? <laughs> oh, forget about it. I mean, this guy, there's no, no, no way, no way in hell. First of all, we, we were on friendly terms with uh, – President Trump, but uh, no, it's inconceivable. I couldn't, I couldn't possibly have a, an interview with him uh, and, and ask these puffball questions. Not the way things are now. Although that was early in the Trump's administration, but good job out of you getting those clips. Thank man. you. That sounded great. Thank you. I actually have the whole interview. I had an email to me this morning. The audio is perfect. I'll send it over to you, and uh, that was a great job by you and a great time. So I thought you'd appreciate it this morning, especially off of the White House correspondence dinner conversation. Absolutely. It was terrific, uh, Sydney. Rich Lowry's coming up. Also, Andrew Giuliani, traffic and sports. But right now, it is time for the 77 WABC Clip of the Day. Listen to the Cats Roundtable every Sunday morning starting at 8. Here, John talks with David Malpass from the World Bank. Putin said yesterday that if you're my ally, you're not going to be short of wheat. How does that come within the world? Uh, John, these are huge challenges, especially for poor people, for developing countries. And I think the answer is there needs to be lots more supply in countries around the world. We're encouraging supply in Africa. Food that's grown there is safer, is ready for use and can be really nutritious. And I really want to put the emphasis on the need for huge increases in supply and setting up policies that encourage supply. Bernie and Sid in the morning.
Back here on the Bernie and Sid Show, heard everywhere on that 77 WABC app. Ladies and gentlemen, download it. Also, simulcast out on Eastern Long Island, News Talk 107.1 FM. Right now, we put aside every, every Monday morning at 740 to talk to this gentleman. He's brilliant. He writes for the National Review. He's the editor of the National Review. You might see him on some of the fake news Sunday morning shows. His name is Rich Lowry. He's here right now. Good morning, Rich. Hey, what's going on? Hey, now. What's going on, Rich Lowry? Listen, a lot is going on, actually. And uh, one of the biggest things, of course, was uh, last week, this uh, it, 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 almost uh, out of the onion, that the uh, Biden administration, uh, a la, uh, you know, via uh, Alejandro Mayorkas and the Department of Homeland Security, Department of Homeland Security is introducing a disinformation board, a.k.a. an Orwellian Ministry of Truth, what does Rich Lowry think of this nonsense? Well, she, she better get on her horse real quick because Mayorkas was on the Sunday show spreading disinformation just yesterday when he was saying the border is not open. <laughs> the border is closed. No, it's yes. not. <laughs> Don't lie to us. We're, Unbelievable. Where disinformations are when we need her. Yeah. I mean, it really, it was crazy. Borders closed. We inherited a broken border system. But, I mean, the idea that they would do this, first of all, patently on its face, I mean, if you did a poll of most Americans, they'd say, no, I'm not for anything like this. I mean, I, I think I think this is going to backfire on them. This is really authoritarian, fascist-type stuff, and, of course, unconstitutional. I mean, is it going to go anywhere? And this lady who runs it, uh, yeah, this uh, whatever the hell her name is, uh, Scary Poppins, uh, she's a, a dingbat herself <laughs> who pushed the Russia collusion thing, said the Hunter laptop was a Trump campaign product. I mean, so what about the overall thing itself, this uh, disinformation well, board? Well, she's, she's the perfect choice for a disinformation czar because she exemplifies w- what they consider disinformation in the fight against it, which is information they don't like is instantly disinformation, whether it's true or not. And she um, uh, advanced and spread this lie that Hunter's laptop was Russian disinformation. And then this is just the amazing thing. We've talked about this before with all these people. She never apologized. She never went back. She said she was wrong. She never deleted her bad tweets. She never really wrote an op-ed. This is why I was fooled myself when I was supposed to be an expert on disinformation. None of that, because the whole disinformation thing is a scam that's just partisan politics uh, hiding under this uh, veneer of objectivity and truthfulness. So the whole thing is is a a disgrace, and I, I imagine it will go nowhere. It's already been widely mocked. It'll be mocked some more, uh, but it just shows what the other side thinks. If they could, you know, they, they'd control every aspect of information to uh, favor their side. And you see it in the freak out over Elon Musk. You know, someone buys Twitter and says, hey, I'm going to have free speech, and they all um, have their panties in a twist. <laughs> well, we'll get back to Elon in a second, but talking about disinformation, anybody with half a brain knows that the Republicans are going to destroy the Democrats come midterms. Yet, MSNBC this morning, the king of disinformation, they run a story that there was a poll this weekend that came out that said when it comes to these congressional races, okay, Rich, Americans seem to favor Republicans when it comes to, when it comes to foreign policy. They favor Republicans when it comes to the war on inflation and home economics. They favor Republicans when it comes to the war on crime. Yet, yet, in this poll, 46% would still vote Democrat 
over 45% Republican. So you go through this whole laundry list of why why they would vote against the Democrats, and then you try to convince me they're still going to vote Democrat. What are they talking about? Yeah, well, actually, the history is, if you have an even split on the congressional ballot, Republicans tend to do do really well in, in midterm elections. So that's why some of these results have been just stunning, you know, 10-point leads for Republicans. We've never seen anything like that in polling at this point in a midterm. And you've got to average out all the polls, and it's, it's a solid Republican lead, and it's looking, you know, 30, 40-seat gain, and they can, you know, put their hands over their eyes and ears and, and try to pretend it's not happening. But it, it's, it's coming. I mean, you can, you can hear the train coming down the track. So, Rich Lowry, they, had the, they held the White House Correspondents' Dinner over the weekend, and uh, it was lame. It was uh, painful. I watched it. I watched a lot of it. Not all of it, of course. Joe Biden showed up. Uh, he did some jokes. Of course, there's the hypocrisy via the masks. But also the uh, one joke that the uh, this guy Trevor Noah t- t- talked uh, the, that he told, which was about rising inflation, and it, it shows Joe Biden laughing uproariously. He thought it was hilarious, and that's going to become a campaign ad. A lot of people are saying uh, this fall. Well, what did you make of the whole White House correspondence dinner over the weekend? I found it, I I just think it's just the worst spectacle in in our politics. It, uh, I mean, it was it was always bad when I was down in Washington back in the day twenty years ago. It was pretty bad, but you you didn't have the celebrity aspect of it. Where you know Kim Kardashian, why is Kim Kardashian showing up at the White House Correspondents' Dinner? And the entertainment is uh, almost invariably not funny. I, I've never heard Trevor Noah say anything that was the least bit entertaining oh, he's terrible um yeah and then and then everyone has to pretend to laugh and yeah. and when you're the president of the united states laughing about inflation you know which is destroying the lives of, of working class people and making making them much harder as we speak that's not a good look and there was a new york times story yesterday about how the the white house pollster was warning right at the beginning guys you know what the border is going to hurt us and inflation is going to hurt us. You better take this stuff really seriously. It's going to destroy your presidency. And they didn't take it seriously. And that, that clip will be just another indication of that. You had one decent joke. And I'm a Trump supporter. I can still laugh at something funny when he said, and I quote, I guess, we uh, had a difficult time. We just went through a plague. And then there was COVID. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually really funny. I'm sorry whether you're a Trump fan or not. That was very funny. Uh, and he didn't screw up the delivery either in that specific joke. But... You know, the uh, the approval ratings came out this weekend, and, and you got to explain this one to me too, Rich. He went from 37% Joe Biden to 42%. You, you have to tell me what those 5% <laughs> saw over the last couple of weeks, where now all of a sudden Biden is doing a good job. What'd they say? Well, what am that's, I missing? That's a, that's a head-scratcher. I, I, I don't know what possibly that could indicate. It, that must be just this statistical noise you know and it is, he's just right around 40 maybe a tick below in the the poll averages so he, he's in a, in a horrible place and there's there's very little he can look at and say it's, it's going to get better rich lowry editor of the national review rich you wrote a column about uh, uh marjorie taylor green she's a firebrand in the, in congress she's uh she, she gets disrespected not only on the fake news msnbc cnn but even Fox News, they, 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 they don't put her on, they don't like her, and you're an unlikely defender of a, a woman like Marjorie Taylor Greene, yet she's a, a, in, in some sort of trial, as you put it, a proceeding to make her ineligible to run for re-election. What's this all about? 
So I, I'm not a fan of, of her, as, as you can imagine. But there's this effort by progressive lawyers and activists to say, you know what, uh, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment says if you support an insurrection or you're a traitor, you can't run for elected office. So they say, you know what, she supported the insurrection on January 6th, and so she has to be banned from the ballot. And a judge has let this go forward. There's a hearing where she had to testify for hours justifying her presence on the ballot, which is completely crazy. I mean, the 14th, even if you think January 6th was an insurrection, which it wasn't, the 14th Nobody was arrested for insurrection. Yeah, and the 14th Amendment says you have to engage in it. So it's not as though she was on the ramparts, you know, fighting with Capitol Police and breaking <laughs> windows of the Capitol. Uh, so it's it's just insane, and it goes back to what we're saying about disinformation as well. This kind of deep illiberalism on the other side where they don't want to have the debate. They just want to tilt the rules in their favor so they can have power. And Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, I want her Republican primary opponent to, to win. But I don't think she should be off the ballot. I think the voters in her district should decide. Democrats want her to lose the general election. Fine. Go convince the voters in her district to do it. But to exclude her from the ballot in, in what's supposed to be a democracy is insane. So I turned 55 a couple of weeks ago, Rich, and um, I go to the bathroom quite a bit, like, I don't know, like every hour, you know, and, uh, and, I, and my phone is right by my bed because I get up at 3.30 in the morning and I don't want to wake Danielle. So I put the, just in case the alarm goes off, goes off for a second, I shut it off. So it's, um, oh, I don't know, it's a last Tuesday night and I get up to go to the bathroom and I notice I've got a text, like 11 o'clock Tuesday night, and the text is from Rich Lowry. And it reads like this. The legend of Anthony Rizzo grows. <laughs> that was the night when Rizzo hit three home runs in one game. Judge hit two more yesterday. They are now tied for the Major League lead with eight home runs. They've won nine straight games. The world may be falling apart, but which Lowry's New York Yankees never look better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, last time we talked about it, I was despairing after that Orioles series. It was flirting with becoming a Mets fan. But uh, <laughs> turns right. out you, you, had, you had some offense on top of the pitching, which has been extraordinary. And you, you get pretty good results, and, and the Mets aren't doing bad either. So let's let's have this uh, continue for both New York teams through the whole summer. Well, you got to text Subway, me once Subway a week series. on the Yanks. Every once a week, text me on the Yanks, and then me, you, and Bernie will go to the Subway Series together. How about that? Yeah, that's good. Let's make a date. Hey, Rich, you were great. Thanks, man. Appreciate right. it. Thanks, fellas. Have a great week. Good job. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. You as well. Rich Lowry from the National Review on the Bernie and Sid Show. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. We're going to speak to Andrew Giuliani next hour. Keep it where it is, folks. We'll be right back. Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Talking to myself and feeling old. Rainy days and Mondays, ladies and gentlemen, Sometimes that's today. Like to quit. Yeah, 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 Nothing I have that feeling as well. Seems to fit. Well, you know, you get something new to lose some weight. Uh, anyway, Nothing there you have it. It's a, it's a rainy Monday back here on the Bernie and Sid Show. And I don't know if you saw this, Sid. Uh, do you read the New York Times on Sundays? I don't miss it. Yeah, I'm sure, right. Listen, front page of the New York Times yesterday, above the fold. A big piece on Tucker Carlson, a big hit piece. Yeah. A Tucker Carlson and a White House, 
he turned white supremacy or white rage or something. I, I, I saw only, uh, only saw a tweet. Hmm. I would never, ever read the New York Times. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. But, uh, exactly. Yeah, he put, up a, he put out a tweet. He's holding up a, 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 the, the paper, and there's a picture of him laughing uh, hysterically at the picture of him on the new, in the New York Times. Mm-hmm. So you know Tucker Carlson is being very, very effective. Oh, yeah. He's over the target because he's receiving the, type, the big, big flack from the New York Times front page uh, on a Sunday, for God's sake. So anyway, Tucker Carlson, keep doing what you do. See, bro. I, I'd be so, hypocritical if I read the New York Times. I've got a huge color photo, 8 by 10 not that huge, but 8 by 10 in my new house of me standing at a podium with Alan Dershowitz to my right and Dove Hyken to my left, right outside the New York Times building. And you remember this, Bernie, when we went there to obviously protest when they had that cartoon and that anti-Semitic paper with uh, Bibi Netanyahu and Donald Trump walking him like a dog. So uh, I'll never read yeah. that paper again because uh, above and beyond the fact it's all lies, we know that, right. they're anti-Semitic. Oh, big time, big time. They ignored the Holocaust back in the 40s, believe it or not, for a long, long time. So, yes, good for you, and that was a great day for you. One last thing, another joke. Uh, Trevor Noah at the White House Correspondents Dinner did a Trump imitation. Let's see if it was effective. Please play it, Lil. Ron DeSantis is here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I'm actually surprised that he found the time. What? You know, he's been so busy trying to outmaneuver Trump for 2024. I see you, Ron. I see you, Flair. Yeah, I've seen what you've been doing, blaming Trump for the lockdowns, distancing yourself from the vaccines that Trump created with his own two hands. Nobody knew how to make vaccines until I made them. Beautiful, beautiful vaccines. Nobody knew how. Not even Fauci. (laughs) One to ten, Sid, what do you give it? I got to tell you, that's pretty good. I'm not going to say he's not uh, Sean Farish out there on Long Island, but I'm going to give him an eight and a half, an eight. That was good. There you go. Okay, giving Biden praise and Trevor Noah praise. I mean, jeez, what's going on with me this what morning? What the hell is happening? <laughs> on the Bernie and Sid show, look, we're going to speak to Andrew Giuliani next hour, folks. You're not going to want to miss it, and a lot more. Keep it where it is. always get me We are New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Hot Radio 77. I was just about to tell you uh-huh. that I love him. I do. I love him. I love him. And I don't care what you think. I love him for the man he wants to be, and I love him for the man that he almost is. I love him, Laurel. I love him. I love him. Watch, she loves him. Calm down. You know, this is uh, where Elon Musk looks bad. Not him, but Twitter. This is Bruce Springsteen, my favorite. And um, I hate the Democrats, but he's my favorite. Uh, Secret Garden. And, of course, this movie, uh, this song they used in the movie Jerry Maguire. Some genius on uh, Twitter this weekend actually came up with a poll you talk about Joan Hamburg versus Mike Tyson, Bernie, which is really funny. Some genius came up with a poll that um, tried to, um, you know, uh, create a head-to-head between Kid Rock and Bruce Springsteen. And there's a bunch of Republican pundits and, and folks that are, you know, to the right. 
that are on there really trying to make an argument that Kid Rock is a better musician than Bruce Springsteen. Now, look, I get you hate the guy. That's fine. God bless you. But once we get into things like that, that's where it becomes really stupid. I mean, Kid Rock versus Bruce Springsteen? Really? You have any thoughts on that, Bernard? I do. I like Kid Rock. I like him a lot. And I like a lot of his music as well. I don't think he's been as prolific, uh, put out as many... uh, hits no no not even close no not even close. but uh, the hits that he did put out are right up there uh, uh, on a quality level with the bruce no, 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 the ones not. that he has no, had no no stop stop it's all very subjective no it's, it's not no it's not it's, subjective. Right. no it's not you're right there's nothing it's that kid rock done that compares with born to run or jungle you land or thunder road it. it's Come a on. stupid argument right stupid everybody stay has away their from own it. opinions yeah Everybody yeah, no, no, but there's no, listen, listen. But, but, but wait a second. No, no, if Kid you Rock wasn't a Trump, it. wait a minute, Kid Rock wasn't a Trump. stay away from it. I did. But you brought it up. Yeah, but you're doing the same thing that I'm yelling at people on Twitter for doing. Well, I know, but but you brought it up. So, I know so, that, so, but so, don't, don't make an argument with something stupid because you like Donald Trump and Kid Rock. Well, no, I, I actually like Kid Rock. But you know, uh, you can't he, compare him to Bruce. I like uh, Mookie one, Wilson. He's not Mickey Mantle. What is that song where he samples the Sweet Home Alabama? That's great. That's like one of the all-time greats. No, no, no. Excellent song. All time great. What is that called? Great, yeah, but Bruce never sampled anything else. Right, that's another. It's thing. his own music. Yeah, that was somebody else's okay, song. I, okay, <laughs> great. All right. Well, okay, so your opinion trumps my opinion. Okay, great. Well, what else? What else you got? Well, I mean, it's just it's just silly. That's all. Uh, let's go back well, to what. That's, uh, that's why I wouldn't bring it up. But go ahead. Well, yeah, but it's trending on Twitter, so it's important to bring up stuff that people are talking about. Oh, okay. Currently. Well, then then we should bring it up. Right. right. So we I'm, brought I'm, it up. I'm, now I'm, now I feel dizzy. <laughs> I was hoping, to be honest, you were going to say, yes, it is ridiculous, but you just can't control yourself. It's, I like Kid Rock because he likes Trump and Springsteen's a Democrat that. and blah, 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 so you couldn't no, even no, do I it I there. didn't say any of that. I said none of that. You, you actually like, tried to make the comparison between Kid Rock and Bruce. I like a lot of Kid Rock's music. Name five. Name five Kid Rock I songs. I couldn't, even, I couldn't even name one. Okay, so I I ask Lou. Can you name five Springsteen songs? Uh, yes. I okay. just said he's more, way more prolific. I, I Granted. He's 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 talented. He, he's probably more talented because he's got a lot more hits. Yeah, uh, he's put out more hits, and you know, just just uh, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, he's uh, he, he, again he's been around for twenty, thirty years, forty, and that. so he has that on Kid Rock. Yeah, but I like Kid Rock. The, the minimal amount of hits that Kid Rock has had have been great hits. That song that you're talking opinion. about uh, is called All Summer All Long. All Summer Long. Yeah, Eric Salas likes that song. Bingo. It's a good song. All right, let's get back to the important stuff, which is what happened uh, this weekend. Uh, specifically yesterday, we like to go back in the 8 o'clock hour and review some of the stuff we did at the very beginning of the show. And, uh, of course, Friday I left this show and went back to my neighborhood, and it was the funeral, and it was uh, all day and all night for Timothy Klein. And uh, as I stated at uh, 6 o'clock, Almost every house, almost every house for blocks and blocks and blocks. Every driveway, every backyard had upwards of 30, 40 firemen. 129th Street in Bell Harbor must have had six or 7,000. Bernie, that's not an exaggeration. Right outside the church, right by Cali's, which is like a, a little burger joint that Chris Mullins' brother Terrence owns. It was just an, an amazing, an amazing day. My next-door neighbor, Bernie, this guy, Billy, and his lovely wife, Jacqueline, he's a firefighter, too. He's at the 172 in Brooklyn. He had about 30 or 40 people in his backyard all night long. And it finally ended about, I would say, about 9, 10 o'clock on Friday night. They had a fair at the, at the yacht club and all that type of stuff. But 
Uh, when you walked down the streets in my neighborhood on Friday, you just felt this unbelievable uh, support, this unbelievable love and loyalty to the fire department. And, and lastly, walking by his parents' house, which is about two blocks from my house, and seeing these gorgeous floral arrangements on the front lawn, one of them a beautiful New York Ranger arrangement. So it turns out that Timothy Klein was a big Rangers fan as the Rangers get set to host the Penguins tomorrow night, game one at Madison Square Garden. But um, the community, and you've seen this in your community, Bernard, the community on Friday, it was just great to be a New Yorker and American on Friday. A, a celebration of Timothy Klein's life. And where you, you live is heavily, uh, majority Irish, if I'm not mistaken. And it sounds like it, it was a typical Irish wake. Yes, the man, it, it's terribly sad, and people are feeling pain especially, as you pointed out earlier, the immediate family. But when you have uh, that's what, what Irish wakes up, people celebrate the life of the person instead of dwelling on the negative, oh, he, he's dead now, but uh, they celebrate the life, and, and that, I think that's what you were witnessing there on Friday. And it I like a beautiful it. thing. It was. I really did enjoy it, Bernie. I enjoyed it. I thought it was great, and they were celebrating his life, so many stories, and that whole community knows him, his sisters, his parents, and it made for a, a wonderful tribute. And then, of course, yesterday morning, congratulations to you, Bernie. Uh, we received an award a couple of weeks ago from the Silver Shields of New York. This is a this is a an annual breakfast which they haven't had in three years because of COVID. In fact, the last time they had it, the award that you and I got yesterday, Rita Cosby, our colleague, got it. And over the years, uh, you know, uh, Curtis Sliwa has gotten this award. Sean Hannity, some very big names in the business. But yesterday at the annual breakfast off of Frog's Neck, Bernard, your old neighborhood there at the Villa Barone. You and I received the award. My beautiful wife, Danielle, went uh, in your place. And Eric Hernandez, the president, Billy uh, McMillan, great guy, put up a great Facebook po- uh, post yesterday with pictures. And he was terrific and a host of others. Bernie and I received the Integrity in Journalism Award. I had a chance to speak for about five minutes. And there were about 30 families there who lost loved ones in the line of duty. Uh, men, women killed in the line of duty. A lot of women and a lot of black folks, you BLM people out there, a lot of black folks who were uh, not really celebrating. This was more solemn, Bernie, than Friday in uh, in Bell Harbor. This was right. a sad breakfast. But nevertheless, it's an important one. We need to recognize these people, even when they're gone, what they do for us, what they do for the city. So congratulations on a great award that you and I received yesterday. And right back at you. Congratulations. And by the way, that's what we do. That's what we've been doing for the better part of six years, supporting law enforcement, first responders, et cetera, et cetera. And if I may point out, I made an observation earlier this morning I'd like to again, which is that that, that lowlife who uh, made these disgusting uh, allegations about you and what you were doing last week, yeah. uh, this award breakfast yesterday morning was a big middle finger to him <laughs> because you have been supporting uh, firefighters, First responders, police, law enforcement, etc., for years and years and years and years. It didn't start just last week for any, uh, you know, any secret agenda or whatever it was. So that guy should just shut his his mouth. And uh, yesterday was again a big middle finger to him. I hate to in, in, introduce ugliness into this beautiful event, and it is a great honor to receive that award. So thank you 
to the Silver Shields for that. Well, I appreciate you saying that, though. I do. And, uh, well, you're as loyal and as supportive as they come. And I thought about him yesterday. I did. I had a three-star captain call me and say, if you want it, I'll put this guy in Alaska. I said, I told you, uh, no, leave him alone. The guy's still a hero. God bless him. He's out there every day doing something I'm not brave enough to do. So he said something stupid. I've never heard from the guy since, since that uh, Tuesday morning rant he went on. So he either woke up one morning and realized what a jerk he was being or somebody got to him. Either way, he should have apologized. He didn't do that. But at least he's completely stayed away, and, and I wish him the best now moving forward. But I did think about him yesterday when I was up there for a couple of seconds in that, yes, this is what Bernie and Sid do, whether it's Officer Rivera's funeral or being out there for Klein and his family time and time again. Uh, we have done that, and um, that is something that we take a lot of pride in, and it's one thing when we talk about it, but when we start to win awards, and, you know, I walk down the street, you walk down the street, Bernard, and cop cars are yelling and screaming outside the window, thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't tell you, I can't tell you how many firemen on Friday stopped to shake my hand. I love what you and Bernie do. I love what you and Bernie do. Again, not that we need this for us to realize that we're doing the right thing. We know we are, but when big numbers, big numbers of policemen and women firemen and women, uh, first responders, all these folks, stop you and I on a daily basis. Obviously, obviously, uh, we are real in our sincerity towards these people. Exactly right. And when the chips were down, when they were, everybody was kicking law enforcement in the teeth in the wake of the, over, the, the, the death of George Floyd, the overreaction to the death of George Floyd, you and I stood strong. We stood for, for law enforcement in a big way when it wasn't cool. When everybody was caving to BLM, to that communist, the con job organization, that America-hating, uh, you know, just sleazy organization that they are, we stood strong for law enforcement because we knew, I mean, the vast majority of law enforcement are good people. We, we, we did some research. We investigated stats, facts. I mean, it's not 10,000 uh, unarmed blacks are killed no. by cops every year no. it's like six people right. six right. six there are way more whites who are unarmed whites killed right. by cops and how many we of those guys that that were killed by cops were, were reached for a gun or had a knife or resisted arrest again not that they all had to die george floyd didn't have to die that was a murder and that guy's in prison and he should be in prison and but these are not exactly he, innocent people either no he faced uh the, the, that police officer Derek Chauvin faced the death penalty on day one right and we said what else do you want why are you rioting he's in jail facing the freaking death penalty what are you doing obviously they had they had a secret agenda which was not uh, sticking up for for black people they had a, another ulterior motive which was you know communism and and taking down this country and lining their pockets and et cetera et cetera they've done nothing for the city of Minneapolis. They've done nothing for any city where the riots took place and, uh, you know, businesses were burned to the ground, neighborhoods ruined. No money went back to any of those places. And we were calling them out then. We And, and again, when it was unpopular, we were calling out the people who were caving to them, the Roger Goodells of the world, the CEO of Coke, uh, those types of people. Yep. And we did it, again, when it was unpopular, and we'll do it now when, when respect is returning to law enforcement. I was actually told by Danielle on the way there, she said, do me a favor. When you get up there today, don't be angry. Don't be calling out names. Do what you do. You're a great public speaker. Just just try to you know, stay away from all that stuff. And I did. So, for example, uh, when I started talking about the people that you and I go after and we talk about, I said, listen, if you're a local official and you are urging citizens to take pictures and videos of police officers 
when you were one yourself, were coming after you. And I went on to talk about quarterbacks, Colin Kaepernick, actors, Robert De Niro, governors, Kathy Hochul. But that was a straight shot at Eric Adams. I promised Daniel I wouldn't say his name. But I must tell you that I looked around the room when I did that, and I was getting a lot of head nods like, you're exactly right. That mayor pretends to be a former cop. He's anything but. Well, he is a former cop, but he's a self-hating former cop is what he is. And, uh, yeah, that... Uh, take pictures, uh, record uh, police officers doing their jobs. I mean, I couldn't believe. Th- the more I thought about that, I mean, that that again, as, as we we uh, we observed last week, that is the bane of police officers' existence today. Is people videotaping them when they're trying to do their job? A job is that job is an ugly job. You know, trying to subdue a violent perp is an ugly endeavor. It's not pretty, and it's not for really shouldn't be for public consumption. But it is, and and when they're, they're taping them, is get off him, man! What are you doing? Get off him! Yeah, yeah. They're not showing you what happened in, in the initial stages. They're Never. showing you the end result, right? And it looks bad for the police officer, but it's not, and, and it, it's a distorted view of what the police officers have to do. As always, the number is one eight hundred eight four eight WABC one eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. An exciting rest of the hour about to come your way. Lydia reports. Lydia Serrano, I heard, is uh, doing the noon to one slot this week. So, congrats to Lydia on that. And then we'll talk to one of the real gubernatorial hopefuls on the right side, Andrew Giuliani, Rudy's son, coming up at 8.40. So Lydia and Andrew right here on the Monday edition of Bernie and Sid. This is Lydia Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. Well, a new analysis by the Federation for American Immigration Reform, a.k.a. FAIR, it's an organization that's been around for four decades, finds that during President Biden's first year in office, his open border policy has already cost American taxpayers an estimated $10 billion. We know so far there have been about 2 million migrant encounters with border police at the border. Every month, the encounter number shatters the previous record number. Last month alone, over 200,000. March, we saw like 225. That's like an 80% almost increase than when it was under Trump. Even staunch liberal Bill Maher wondering when the president will finally wake up and realize this is an important issue. Take a listen. Okay. So what about the other big I issue, which is immigration? Now, Joe Biden famously used the phrase big deal. When is he going to understand this is a big deal? It is. We we just had an election in France. Now, Macron pulled it out pretty handily. Mm -hmm. But I mean... Marine Le Pen is, you know, started at nothing, right. and now she's a very... Within 18 points. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. within striking distance. Yeah. And this is the same issue as Brexit in England. This is the same issue as Trump voters in America. So, Nicely I done, mean, Bill Maher. Hey, listen, Lydia, as you point out, uh, polling shows, uh, most polls show now, the number one concern of, of uh, voters is inflation. Number two is the border, believe it or not. The border. I mean, who who do you think's paying to house? And this is just like an underestimate. The ten billion dollars. This is to house them, the medical treatment, all these other things. But what about when they're here and then we have to, you know, put them in school and uh, actually find them a house? You, you know what's funny about that? When, when I talk to people, for example, that are not uh, against uh, Biden's policy, and I do, I've got friends, I've got family. It's unfortunate they're lost, but they are what they are. But they're starting to come around, and it's less about the money. 
it's costing American taxpayers. It's less about them taking American jobs because they seem to think Americans are lazy anyway, and the immigrants do a better job when they get those jobs. It all comes down to one thing where both Republicans and Democrats agree. Fentanyl. Everybody is sick and tired of burying our children. So forget about taxpayers. It's all important. Don't get me wrong. It's a great report you're doing. At the end of the day, that is the one part of this immigrant problem that may, in fact, have Republicans and Democrats on the same page. We have our own problems here. Look at Detroit alone. I mean, look at Philly. You got look at New York City. You have so many people living in poverty and in unsafe conditions and on the streets. You name it. And it's like we're spending all this money sending it to Ukraine. I I feel bad for the Ukrainian people. Don't get me wrong, but we're just printing money. Who's paying for it? We are. And Biden looks like the hero. We're just sending billions of dollars on everybody else except for ourselves. I worked my butt off. I just paid my taxes. I paid my count my school tax. I mean, it is out of control. It's crazy. And one of my county alone, Westchester County, we have so many migrants here. I see the housing that's going, all this stuff that's going on. And it's crazy. It's not sustainable. That's what President Barack Obama said back when he's, when he expanded the COVID, not, excuse me, the facilities. Uh, but now look, with, because of COVID, if they lift title 42, you're going to see the numbers double. You're going to see the numbers doubles. It's really, it's really scary. But yeah, I'm sorry, Bernie. You were saying too about the fentanyl, the sex trafficking, you name it. Yeah. Well, uh, listen to Sid's point. The number one cause of death amongst 18 to 45 year olds is our drug overdoses, and uh, the number one is drug overdoses. I should say, and of course, uh, the majority of those are fentanyl. And it's not really an overdose; it's poisoning because they don't think they're taking fentanyl. Somebody's putting the fentanyl into these drugs. That is killing these people. And the second part and is, to your point, Bern, overdoses when you do a lot of drugs, overdose, a yeah. little, little, little minute fentanyl supply will kill you in two seconds. Two seconds. Exactly right. And uh, also, uh, so you have tens of thousands of Americans are dying. And these mm-hmm. morons, these this Mayorkas, I mean, you really do want to punch that guy in his face. They don't care. They don't even address it. They don't even acknowledge it. And, and, of course, uh, speaking of Mayorkas, he wouldn't, couldn't answer the question last week. They caught 42 uh, people on a terror watch list. 42. This guy had no idea where they were. And, by the way, how many uh, on the terror watch list got into the country and got away and weren't caught? I mean, you have that, child rapists. You have all kinds of murderers, uh, creeps, pedophiles, et cetera, uh, that, are, you know, that are coming across. Yes, there are a lot of good people. I sound like Trump back in 2015. A lot of good people who want to work, and understandably, but this is not the way to do it. And and in the process, not uh, uh, you know victimizing Americans at the same time. No, that's why the Ukraine is like, like number seven on the list of oh, things God. that concern yeah. voters. Yeah, uh, and 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 the border is number two. I actually went into a store this weekend, Bernie and Lydia, to buy beach chairs. I told you, Danielle and I had a great time on the beach on Saturday, and um, it's like a it's like a ninety nine cent store. Everything there is very very inexpensive. It's right there on 116, Lou. And uh, the guy's beach chairs range from 60 to $130. And I said, whoa, what happened wow. to the days of a $20 beach chair I could buy at CVS? And he said, listen, I can't get them. And now the little supply that I get, they're charging me 70 bucks. So between the supply chain issue and inflation, I have no choice. I got to make a couple of bucks, too, but to do this to you. 
And he said, he said to me, he said to me, and yet this president has already sent Ukraine about $133 billion. This is a local store owner in Far Rockaway who was expressing how upset he is with all this nonsense and money we're sending overseas to, like Bernie says, to two countries that have been fighting forever. And to take care right. of people, we don't know who they are. We don't know how many terrorists came in. What's it going to take? Does it, there needs to be another 9-11 before we realize we have to secure our borders. Look at Rikers. They could re- easily rebuild that with a tenth of the money that they've been sending overseas and spending on on migrants. But they want it to go to, you know, poop. So then they could build up the little jails all throughout the boroughs and make the city even worse than it already is. They could build mental facilities there. They can have courthouses and it could be a one-stop shopping processing center for criminals. And then then people wouldn't complain about the bail reform laws. Oh, people shouldn't languish for months. Well, then we would process them more quickly and get them through the, through the court system. But no, no, no. There is no common sense going on, like John Katzmatidis also always says, and that's what's lacking. Or is this kind of a big conspiracy where they want the country to go to S so then they can remain in ultimate power and have control? They want to pack the country with what they think will believe they believe are Democratic voters. And that's why they want to get rid of all loan debt. They want to let all the migrants in because this is the Democratic way of buying votes and using our taxpayer dollars. And that's what's really going on here, because they don't care about these migrants. They don't care about the criminals. They just care about staying in power. It is intentional. There's no doubt about it. You couldn't possibly be this incompetent uh, by accident. You really couldn't. <laughs> so I swear to God, that's true. This that's funny. is all very, very intentional. These people want to transform this country fundamentally, as Obama said uh, uh, many years ago. They're doing it now. And that's why Joe Biden was the perfect Trojan horse for it. Obama's behind a lot of this yes. and uh, his, you know, Susan Rice, Ron Klain, all these America hating uh, communists. And uh, we have to that's why November 22 is so important. We, I mean, that is going to be the course correction that we've needed for a long, long time. It can't come fast enough, Lydia. Well, it's going to be a beating. Cavalry's coming. John yep. Katzmatidis, 5 o'clock. We're speaking out the truth, justice, and the American way. That's going to be our new slogan. And also, you're going to have a little double treat today. I'll be on. Uh, right after Bill O'Reilly, around 12.15 until 1 o'clock today. I'll be on this whole week. So nice. 12.15 to 1 o'clock. So cats at night, 5 o'clock. Then you'll have me alone, 12.15 to 1 o'clock. Congrats. You don't want to miss it. WABC Radio, that's what we do. That's why, you know, you guys got that incredible award this weekend. I, I told you, I heard from my friend Dave, uh, Sid, and he said your speech was amazing. It brought tears to his eyes. Thank you. So congratulations, guys, on all the success because we are making a difference in this world. We Thank really you. are. That's a great job out of you. And uh, congrats to the uh, 12, 15 to 1 slot this week. You can follow Lydia, folks, on Twitter, at Lydia News, and on Instagram, at Lydia News 1. Traffic and sports coming up next right now. It is time for the 77 WABC Clip of the Day. Listen to the Cats Roundtable every Sunday morning starting at 8 here. John talks with Newt Gingrich. America is under attack. What's the update on America? And I'm worried about America. Well, I think, John, I think anybody who loves America has to be worried. I look at the growing evidence of the Biden family as a corrupt, you know, they're almost like a criminal family in the old-fashioned mafia sense. I mean, you look at how the the brothers and the son work, and you look at how Biden misused the office of the vice president, and it is it's the most astonishingly deep corruption at the level of the White House in American history. 
Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Ah, yes. New York State of Mind. Got this big governor race coming up in November. We already missed with Eric Adams. Too late now. Good luck there. Can't mess up with governor. Kathy Hochul needs to go. We've got a bunch of Republican candidates that um, will be great for this job. Uh, There's three in particular that we talk to on this show often. Rob Astorino, who will join us tomorrow. Lee Zeldin, the pride of Shirley Long Island. He was on last week. And our next guest, who, of course, is the son of the aforementioned commercial, Rudy Giuliani, and has come on this show, and time and time again, I mean this, I get messages, so does Bernard, Andrew, from people who say, this kid sounds like the guy we need. Aggressive, smart, not afraid. So with that said, here he is, Andrew Giuliani. Good morning, Andrew. Kid Bernie, great to be with you. You know, it's funny. I'm actually in Albany right now, waking up here today after a day in Rochester yesterday, and, and, and I've been joking around with my team that maybe our motto should be MAGA, make Albany great again. Love it. But, but, then, again, but then again, I don't know if Albany's ever been great, so maybe <laughs> be mod, make Albany great. That's a good point. You know, you, uh, I, I got an email yesterday from one of our coworkers, Jan Grott, and she said, Andrew Giuliani just reached out to me. And he said the board of elections looks like they're going to approve him, and he should be on the ballot. Was there ever a doubt? Uh, well, you know, look, one of our competitors, as you mentioned before, Congressman Zeldin, uh, has decided to challenge our petitions. Uh, we ended up submitting twenty four thousand five hundred and seventy nine petitions uh, after Friday's hearing with two of the commissioners. Uh, they took only four of those signatures off the ballot which means we stand at over 24,500-plus valid signatures. They will meet today in Albany to decide whether or not we will be on the ballot. Uh, I believe the congressman has another legal challenge against us to try to knock us off this. But the truth wow. is we, we will be on the ballot. We will be debating. This will not be the backroom deal candidate. This will be all about the 2.9 million registered Republicans getting ready to decide whether I'll be their nominee, Rob will be their nominee, or as you mentioned, Lee will be their nominee. Yeah, so I understand, uh, Andrew Giuliani on the Bernie and Sid show, that Rob Astorino will validate his uh, board. The Board of Elections will, will officially validate his petitions today and put him on the ballot. I understand that takes place today. Now, your dad is getting, he's going to uh, go on the stump for you, he's going to campaign for you. And there was a report in the New York Post that your father called Lee Zeldin a liar. What was that all about? Well, I think it goes back to this, right? Lee, for a couple of weeks, said that he was not behind these challenges. Uh, and in order to sue us, he had to put his name as candidate aggrieved on these challenges. Uh-huh. Now, the same lawyers, uh, the same lawyers 
uh, that were involved in this stuff. And the truth is he has been claiming election integrity, right? He's put together an election integrity team whose focus is only to knock myself and Rob off the ballot. And he has two convicted felons that are running this election integrity team, uh, John Haggerty uh, and Tom Spargo. I think New Yorkers need to know this. We can't be disguising election integrity and having two convicted felons actually running an election integrity team, which is meant to knock your competitors off the ballot. Here's the thing, Bernie and Sid. I want to have as many debates as possible. And I mentioned this in Rochester. We should have a debate in Rochester. We should have a debate in Binghamton. We should have one in the North Country. We already have two planned in New York and one in Long Island. This has to be a choice for every single Republican around the state. This can't be a backroom deal, and this can't be the result of trying to knock competitors off the ballot because of technicalities. This has to be because it's so important. It has to be everybody's decision. Well, I got to tell you, Andrew, uh, I'm very disappointed. I am. Uh, look, uh, at the end of the day, whether it's you, Andrew, or Lee, or, or Rob, uh, the three of you guys, or this uh, Harry, whatever the hell his name is, you guys should be talking about why Kathy Hochul needs to go Absolutely. and needs to go yesterday. Instead, Astorino comes on the show and he blasts Lee Zeldin. Lee Zeldin is trying to get you off the ballot. And, in fact, I even asked Bernie weeks ago, I said, do you think these guys will get ugly? And he said no. He said, I think they all realize the important job ahead is to remove Hochul, and instead there's a lot of catfighting, a lot of infighting between you three guys. We need to fix that. Look, this is the most important thing, and whether our primary is on June 28th or whether it's moved back to August, which hopefully we'll find out this week, this 100% is the most important thing. And whether I'm the candidate, whether Lee's the candidate, whether Rob's the candidate, whatever it ends up being, I will coalesce behind the Republican because that is the most important thing. But I do think that New Yorkers need to know a little bit of the sausage-making process in all this and the fact that Lee has been trying to duck a debate and has been trying to get his opponents off the ballot instead of having these open debates. Uh, you know, look, maybe this is being my father's son. Maybe this is working for President Donald Trump. Um, but I don't like when people are disingenuous, whether they're Democrat or Republican, and I have no problem calling it out. Um, and I think that's one thing that New Yorkers need to know about me. And, and that's why I think I'm the right choice to go into Albany. I'm not a candidate that's going to be owned by a party boss or by a consultant. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what's right because I learned from guys like Giuliani, from Donald Trump, in terms of how you go in there to a massive bureaucracy and break it open with a wrecking ball. And trust me, when we look at Kathy Hochul, when we look at what Andrew Cuomo developed in Albany for the last 10, 10 and a half years, you can't come in from the inside and tweak this thing. You need to go in here with a wrecking ball because it's a disaster. I mean, I, I don't mean to be long-winded here, guys, but just think about the whole process in which we will find out if the primary remains on June 28th or in August. You know who has the final pen on that? It's Kathy Hochul. Yeah. There's nobody who's more influenced than Kathy Hochul. If you tell me this system isn't broken and doesn't need a wrecking ball, then I'm sorry. I need to give you new lenses. <laughs> no, listen, uh, yeah, that's, that, that is very funny. Andrew Giuliani on the Bernie and Sid Show, running for governor of the state of New York. By the way, a primary fight is a primary fight. I mean, that's just the way it is. It does get ugly. Just think of the uh, 2016 campaign, Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, Lion Ted, Marco Rubio, little, Mar little Marco. And then afterwards, they all rallied around each other. They rallied around Donald Trump, the victor. Well, unless and, you're uh, Jeb Bush, the low energy, the Bushes never really liked him after that. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> that's true. They, didn't get, they never got over it. They never really did. And, well, it got personal with the Iraq War. But anyway, Andrew Giuliani, I guess uh, this would be a good time to segue to um, your potential Democrat opponent. You have Tom Suozzi. 
He's going up against uh, 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 Kathy Hochul, and he was on this show, on the Bernie and Sid show, and we asked him about a certain parental rights act down in Florida, and he said he thought it was reasonable. He thought it was reasonable until the pressure came down from the uh, he, his own uh, you know factions on the left in his own party and the press, and he was, he was asked to elaborate on it. Then he backed off, and he said, no, no, you know what, my comments were inartful. I mean, this is what yeah. we, people hate about politicians. They, yeah. don't, they really don't have principles. They don't stick to it, what they say, and Tom Suozzi is a perfect example of that. You're absolutely right. Hey, look, I think about this. Tom Suozzi plays moderate on TV, but when you vote 93% of the time with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you tell me oh. if you're a moderate. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, look, right. and, and to me, that's why I love talking about the facts. You know this, guys. You interview politicians and people running for political office all the time. We all have narratives. We all have stories. But the truth is you can't explain away the numbers. They're there, and they're hard, and sometimes they hurt. But the truth is it's the best way for New Yorkers to see actually where you stand. Ask Tom Swazi, why 93% of the time with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a self-avowed socialist? That's a good question. Andrew Giuliani here running for governor. Catch his father every weekday afternoon at 3 o'clock. And I do take some pride, so does Bernard, in the fact that I and we uh, actually made you two aware, because you didn't even know it at the time, that Eric Adams was referring to your father's tactics in solving the crime issue as racist. And now both of you guys have come back, and your father went on a rant last week. We played the cuts all morning long last Wednesday, Andrew. <laughs> You're laughing. It was some of the best radio I've ever heard. If Eric Adams yeah. is one-tenth the mayor your father was, he will go down in history as an all-time great. And this guy is yelling and screaming about you and your father being racist. I'm glad to see you guys took it personally because, quite frankly, you should have. Well, the truth is, look, I would say that there's no greater cage agent. Maybe since Henry Hudson came down that river to the west of you there, um, you know, uh, Rudy Giuliani in the history of New York City. And I think if you look at the numbers in terms of more black New Yorkers and more Hispanic New Yorkers lives saved, nobody's had more of an effect on that than Rudy Giuliani. I mean, there were 2,200 murders a year when Time Magazine wrote about the rotting apple back in 1991. That number by the time he left office was around 500 and went down to 289 before Putz de Blasio came in there. Um, <laughs> yeah. The truth is, every single one of those years, about 70% of the victims of those crimes were black and Hispanic Americans. So you tell me, doing, again, the numbers, who had a greater effect on black and Hispanic New Yorkers than Rudy Giuliani? Look, the truth is, and Eric Adams can try to yell and scream as much as possible, Rudy Giuliani is going to go down in history as the greatest mayor in the history of New York and honestly one of the most important figures in this city's long 400-plus year history. Oh, yes, for, for sure. Rudy Giuliani should have been the NAACP Man of the Year for like eight years running, for God's <laughs> sakes. He saved so many black lives. It's so true. Uh, so Andrew Giuliani on the Bernie and Sid Show, there still remains the issue of no cash bail. I mean, what Kathy yeah. Hochul put into a play was so weak, so ineffective, and she's going to try to campaign on, I reformed the no-cash bail. She did not. And so it, it's going to be up to you, you know, uh, stipulating that you're a victor uh, to reform this. And how are you going to get that done with this uh, woke state legislature? Well, it, look, it's, it's a great question, and I think this is very simple. On day one, this is a January 1st, 2023 priority, uh, I sit down with Andrea Stewart-Cousins, 
uh, and Carl Hasty, the Speaker of the Assembly and the head of the state Senate, and say very simply, we have a budget negotiation coming right up. If you want me to fund this priority of yours, you need to make sure we need a full repeal of bail reform, period. This is the most important thing from a crime perspective that a governor can do. And look, I know I mentioned this to you guys before, but you don't have to look any further than her state of the state speech a few months ago. She never one time mentioned cashless bail um, or bail reform. And, and the reason is because she's pandering to her leftist base over here. She's finally seen some polling numbers that said, well, even Democrats don't find this to be appealing. So she's giving us a little bit of word salad with no action <laughs> behind it right there. Word what salad. I can tell you very simply, yes, what I can tell you very simply is you're going to have in a Governor Giuliani somebody that is all about action that's going to make sure that we end this war on cops on day one. And that means repealing bail reform. That means firing Alvin Bragg or any of the other 62 district attorneys who violate their oath of office. And it means, more importantly, allowing police to be proactive again. Look, we've seen how broken windows can work. It works, and it's very effective. We're doing the opposite now, and guess what? We're getting the opposite results. We need to make sure we have somebody in the governor's executive chambers that's going to support our cops and not get blown around by the political winds. One more revenue. I was actually happy to see that uh, New York legalized weed. I see these other states making so much money, and I don't want to get into the morality of all of it because I know there are some issues with that. I get it. But at the end of the day, we need money, and you should be making the money, the states, and not some drug dealer in, in Jamaica, Queens. But the gambling, too, there was a good editorial I read last week, and a guy was in the New York Post, Andrew, yelling and screaming that the last thing Times Square needs is a casino because there's a rumor that maybe the Hard Rock already there in a restaurant form and a hotel may come to Times Square. He says, we need more cops with all the crime out there and those those degenerate, uh, you know, uh, cartoon figures. But the last thing we need is a casino. What do you, what's your thoughts on that? Well, look, I, I'm not certain how I got to think a little bit more in terms of Times Square and the casino actually physically being there. But what I can tell you is New York has lost a lot of tax revenue to people who drive over the George Washington Bridge and decide to place their bets in New Jersey, whether it be at the Meadowlands or whether it be on their phone and their device. Um, I, I do think in looking at every single state around the country and so many of them approving gambling, uh, that we need to figure out how we are going to maximize our tax revenue as New Yorkers so that way we're easing the burden uh, for other taxpayers in New York uh, who are really overburdened with being in the highest tax state yep. in the country. Uh, so for me, I have no issue in terms of figuring that out and how we actually can do this and make a legitimate source of revenue. The one thing I don't want to do, and this is what Albany does way too often, is create a big bureaucracy that's going to end up being a crony payout that just is waiting for somebody to come back and vote for you on November 8th or have their union come out and vote for you on November 8th. So I, I'm not a big believer in creating big government systems. What I am big, a big believer in is making sure that you find efficiency so that way you can relieve the burden, and we have such a heavy burden on our taxpayers today in New York. Let's uh, circle back in the last 30 to 60 seconds to how this conversation started. Once again, Lee Zeldin, it turns out, doing his best to keep you off of the ballot. There'll be a decision made today, but you feel very confident. What, 80%, 90%, Andrew, you'll be on the ballot uh, come uh, later on this month. I do. You know, it's, it's tough for me to handicap it. If I would, maybe I would be a gambler and do that. The truth, the, the truth, the truth is I, I feel very, very confident that we are going to be on there. We are going to live stream it. 
on our social media. So if anybody wants to watch at Andrew H. Giuliani, um, I think it's very important that New Yorkers see a little bit of the sausage making process that goes on. And sometimes you get some real legitimate candidates that get thrown off because maybe they're not beholden to the party boss. Uh, That's not democracy. And I have to tell you, uh, we need to make sure if we're going to be a strong Republican Party moving forward, that we have as many people as possible participating in this process. Think about this, guys, right? There are 6.8 million Democrats in New York State. There are 2.9 million registered Republicans. There are over 3 million non-affiliated. Now, I think in building this party and in building this message, we need to reach out and touch as many and not reach out and touch in the Andrew Cuomo kind of way. Reach out and engage <laughs> with as many New Yorkers of those unaffiliated as possible, as early as possible, and not exclude them. Uh, unfortunately, Lee has been the product of the backroom deal in Albany. We have been the one who's consistently banging the drum, which is make sure those 2.9 million registered Republicans have a voice on June 28th, whether it be June 28th or at some point in August. We will make sure that every single New Yorker, every single registered Republican has a voice over who their nominee is. We agree a thousand percent. Put this on record. Sid and Bernie want Andrew Giuliani on this ballot. Damn it. We want you on this ballot come late June or early August because you need to be there, if not to win, then to hold these other candidates in check. So whatever it's worth, you have Sid and Bernie support 1000 percent. Well, Bernie Sid, thank you very much. I, I always, always love coming back on with you. And I, I got to tell you, you know, it's, it's tough for me to say who, who's in second place on WABC. I mean, I, I got a guy named Giuliani. <laughs> which I always say it's my favorite show right there. But between you guys, between Curtis, uh, you guys are putting tr- together a tremendous product. And I have thank to you. tell you, I'm so excited tomorrow to go baseball back in Staten Island at the Ferry Hawks. John Katsimatidis is doing an incredible job. Not with not just with WABC, but also bringing baseball back to Staten Island. No question. In fact, I'll see you out there tomorrow night. Look forward to it, Andrew. I'll be there as well. The home opener for the Ferry Hawks, who just spent the last uh, the first nine games on the road this season. Andrew, terrific job as always this morning. Best of luck today. Thank you so much, pal. Thank you, Bernie and Sid. See you later, pal. Andrew Giuliani, right there on the Bernie and Sid show. Bernie had to run. He's got some uh, medical treatments to go to for the last hour this morning. He was great for three hours. I'll carry you until 10 o'clock till Brian Kilmeade comes your way Monday morning with Bernie and Sid. We are New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Talk Radio song right there, Lewis, as we start the fourth and final hour of the Bernie and Sid in the morning show at 9.05 on your rainy Monday here in New York City. Sid Rosenberg with you. Bernie is out. This will be the only hour he misses all week. He went for radiation, to be honest. He's been getting a lot of chemotherapy, but uh, now the last two weeks he's receiving radiation as well. So that's why he's uh, out the last hour today. He'll be back ready to go, as he always is. 
at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning. So tomorrow night is a big night, as Andrew Giuliani pointed out. The Staten Island Ferry Hawks baseball team that uh, we own here, John Katsimatidis, part owner of the club, and um, off to a bit of a rocky start, I would say. But uh, it's a new team, brand new. Gary Perrone knows what he's doing, and uh, so does Eric. And we've got a Met Hall of Famer in Edgardo Alfonso managing the club. And listen, he played in the Subway Series back in 2000 and was the second best player on the Mets back then, right behind Mike Piazza. So we got the right guys uh, there. And um, more importantly, I think, than wins and losses early on for the baseball team is the experience. And that Staten Island Stadium is going to provide a, a lot of fun for a lot of families this summer. And we will experience it for the first time tomorrow night. That is the home opener, Lexington, in for three days of baseball, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, Atlantic League baseball. And uh, there'll be a, a lot of very famous people there tomorrow night, including Sid Rosenberg and Andrew Giuliani. Now, it's a tough night for me. Not only because I have to be up at 3.30 in the morning on Wednesday to uh, co-host this show with Bernie, but because tomorrow night starts the Ranger playoffs. And I say this all the time. I love my football giants. Love them. I love my New York Mets. Baseball is my favorite sport. I love my New York Knicks. But to me, and I will argue this till I'm blue in the face, there is not a postseason, not the NFL playoffs, none of it, that comes close to NHL Stanley Cup hockey. Nothing that comes close. And I wrote this in my first book, my most vivid sports memory was 1994, Canyon of Heroes, with uh, Sal Ferragamo, took the D-train from King's Highway, stood on the corner of Broadway and Fulton, starting at 5.45 this morning, waiting for Mark Messier and Mike Keenan and all those Ranger greats, Jeff Bukaboom, Kevin Lowe, Steve Larmer, list goes on and on, waiting for them to come down the canyon. And when they did, it was the, and I've been to Giants Super Bowls, I've been to the Giant Parade. They've won Super Bowls. I was there in 86 when the Mets won the World Series. I was there. Dwight Gooden wasn't. Uh, he think that was funny. But uh, anyway, uh, nothing like the Rangers. Somebody left. Yeah, somebody left. <laughs> winning, that, uh, winning that Stanley Cup. And that parade was just, it was an immense time for New York. And I know hockey is the least popular of the four major sports. We've got three hockey teams here. We do care about hockey in this city. Devils, Islanders, Rangers. And if there is a really rabid fan base outside of Canada, where Montreal and Toronto still kind of rule the roost, Chicago does well, Boston does well, Philadelphia does well, Detroit. But right here in New York, you get a Ranger playoff game. There is nothing like it. And we've got one coming your way tomorrow night. Now, the Rangers are favored. They were the two seed this year. Uh, only the Florida Panthers had more points inside the conference than the Rangers. They are favored over Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins. They did beat Pittsburgh three out of four times during the regular season. But our version of Barry Melrose, our version of NHL Smart, what was that guy's name, um, Fischler? Stan. The great Stan Fischler. The Maven. Yes, the Maven. Our Maven is Luke Lograno. <laughs> Luke, what do you expect from the Rangers and Pens? Now, I'll be at this baseball game tomorrow night, but I'll be wearing a Mark Messier jersey on Staten Island, watching the game on my phone till I get home. What can we expect from the Rangers in this first-round series? You're going to hear all the generic things like, this game will set the tone, you got to come out hot out of the gate. Uh, no, this is where Shesterkin proves himself. You're going to see the best goaltender in the NHL play tomorrow night. Has he played a playoff game yet? 
Uh, so, like, very technically, he played in the bubble. So, like, that, right. that's not really that a playoff didn't count. game. That's, right. yeah, there was no fans. Right. There wasn't a playoff game. Right. But as long as he keeps doing what he's doing, uh, this offense has plenty of tools to score and and take care of the game. I don't really like Pittsburgh's defense. Besides Chris Letang, I don't really think they have much. So, uh, forwards wise, they can go toe for toe for us. But uh, defense, we we carry them all the way through. There was a rumor, of course, that your father, the great Larry Legrano who is the only man in the history of the stock market to hold more power than Dick Grasso. You're, uh, <laughs> You're going to get me in so much trouble. Your father, he abandoned the Rangers after they traded Eddie Jockman. Many Ranger fans did, by the way. He wasn't alone. Many did. And it took him a long time to get back. He even gave up, according to lore, urban legend, two tickets to Game 7 of the Rangers and Canucks Stanley Cup Finals Back in 94. No can you way. confirm that or deny it? I can confirm that. Between the Jockerman trade and I want to say it was the 2012 Eastern Conference Finals, it was the year that the Devils beat us, my father attended two Ranger games. It was the night that they hung up Eddie's jersey in the rafters and Eddie's first game back as a Red Wing. Those were the only two games he attended. He hated the Rangers so much that when he was offered those two tickets to Game 7, people were making side bets on whether or not he'd take the tickets, and he wow. turned them down. And uh, the fella said, I'm going to make you an offer one more time. Do you want the tickets for free? And my dad said, I'll, I'll, on one condition, do you care what I do with them? Because I'll give them to my sister. And my dad, right. and the guy said, you're not going to give them to your sister. Don't worry. My dad took the two tickets, called my Aunt Betsy, and she watched the Rangers win the cup. Oh, my God. But he's back now, right? He's back now. Yes, he's back now. All Ever right. since me and my brother became fans. All right, so tomorrow night, game one, I'll be on Staten Island. Game two is a Thursday night. But game three is a road game in Pittsburgh. And I'm considering, I have to get permission from my beautiful wife, Danielle, first. But I'm considering having a couple of friends over in the basement to watch Rangers and Pens game three. My dear, dear friend, Tommy Mango, Shawa Klein's husband, he's a diehard Ranger fan. He never knew about the Rangers, never knew about hockey. We were hanging out a lot in the early 90s. I put the games on, introduced him to hockey. Now he's gone way beyond me. I mean, it's the only sport he cares about. His son, Adam, knows about the minor leaguers. He's a crazy Ranger fan. So I'm considering throwing a small Ranger party on a Saturday night. I invited Lou to and Ron Duguay. And uh, you're invited if you want to come. So That means we're friends. No, not really. I just I need I need Ranger fans okay. around me to yeah to teach really you what's friends. going on. Okay, yeah, yeah, not to teach me. No, no, I, I know more about hockey than you'll have known your whole life. But I did. So I, I, just, I don't I have wanna... to tap you. Like that's called the blue line. So no, no, I'll okay. be fine. No, so but I, I, I would. I just want people around me. I want to feel like I'm at a real Ranger home game. What about me? Am I invited? No, you're not a Ranger fan. I am a Ranger fan. No, you're not. Yeah, I am, bro. You know what you like? I used to work with this guy Jody McDonald. I love Jody to this day. Love him. Jody was a Cowboy fan and a Jet fan. Jody no. worked at WIP in Philadelphia and WFAN. I couldn't figure out from one day to the next, is he a Philly guy? Is he a New York guy? You're the same thing. You're annoying. I was you actually, like the Phillies. I, I, I tell you, you this like all the Eagles. The time. I tell you this all the time. I was a big Ranger fan growing up when I played oh. 15 straight years of ice hockey. I've been on skates since I'm three years okay, old. But you're, wow, an, but you're an Eagles fan and a Phillies fan Ooh. and all these low-life Philadelphia teams. I'm not teams. a Phillies fan. You know me as oh, a Yankee, Yankee fan. Oh, you're a Yankee fan. That's right. See, look at you. You're all screwed up. I'm not all screwed up. You can't up. come, though. No. He's an Eagles fan, though. No. He can't I'm not come. allowed to come. No, no Eagles fans, no. I'll be no. turned away at the no. door. Lisa can come because she's Russian and, and uh, there's had to be some Russian player who was great for the Rangers. Yes. And so. Who's sure. the uh, Russian player on the team right now, Luther? Panarin. Yeah. Pretty good player. Uh, yeah. Pretty good player. 96 yeah. points this year. Sturkin's Russian as well. Is he really? He sure is. We got two big-time Russians on the team. Well, oh. I knew Pan I knew Panarin was Russian, and, and you didn't. Well, I forgot about it. In fact, now that you mention it, didn't Putin want to have him killed or something? Yeah, uh, yeah well, he did. The whole thing. Yeah, sure did. Yeah. So Lou Rafino, we'll get everybody involved now since Bernard's gone. Lou <laughs> is, a, is a big hockey fan, and he loves the Islanders. But, but the great Lou Rafino is so starved. 
for New York playoff hockey, he's actually rooting for the Rangers. Shoot the puck, Barry. Oh, <laughs> now who was that? Kresslenet, who was Kresslenet. that? That was Jim Gordon. And oh, no, no, no. It was Bill Chadwick. Bill Chadwick. Uh, the big whistle. The big whistle. Pete He's... Morgan uh, checks in. Let's Epping go Rangers. Peerless Boilers, a sponsor, and Sidney Ferris, Arthur Rosenberg, has done spots for me. Uh, that is true. I actually do the Ranger Peerless Boiler spots on ESPN Radio here in New York. I also do the Patriots for Pete Morgan up in Boston, but the Rangers, yes. How about that, Luke? I was driving home one day from the train, and I heard you on ESPN Radio during a Ranger game, <laughs> and I, I I almost made my dad crash the car. I was like, oh, my God. Well, that's you it. know what happened? I did the Giants, too, for years. So I get, you know, basically excommunicated. I'm down in Florida for many, many years, and Pete left me on the spots in New York. This guy, Bob Gelb, big-time salesperson, used to produce the Mike and the Mad Dog show. Then he produced for Imus, you know, uh, Gelby, Lou. Yep. So he always wanted to get new spots, and Pete Morgan was like, no, the only guy that really sells for me is Sid. I don't want to change his spots. So I'm in Florida for four years, and the Giants come on, WFAN Radio, and that's me doing the Peerless Boiler spots, and people are like, oh, my God, you came back. You never told us. I'm like, not even close. I'm nowhere near being back. Well, now, of course, I'm back, and it turns out to be one of the greatest comeback radio stories in the history. Of the, in fact, any story. I mean, I hate to sound like a jerk, but my story is one of the greatest comebacks in the history of any profession. Oh, Joe, Sid's back. Yeah. He doesn't brag. No, I don't brag. No, no yeah. that's a fact, though. That's, is that bragging? That's a fact, right? Yeah, well, you know. Can you think of another one? A, a great story? A great comeback story. Better than this. Lou Rufino came back. Let me write that. That's true. He was basically MIA for four years. Anytime yeah. you, uh, you, you worked at a morning show at WOR, you're basically off the map. You're right about that. But he wasn't gone. He wasn't, you know, fired. Six feet under. Right. Or have to leave the city and the state. <laughs> well, which I've done before. Have you really? No. Well, You've never I... left New York, have you? Well, when that incident, that no, never mind. <laughs> Shoot the fuck. <laughs> so the Rangers and Penguins get going tomorrow night. But again, we've got uh, Staten Island Ferry Hawk baseball. We want to see you out at that beautiful field tomorrow night. Should be uh, nice weather and a nice night. Hopefully we'll see you folks out there for some fun. 1-800-848-WABC. We'll take a contestant now for Beat Sid. Your chance at uh, cash and all kinds of cool prizes. Sponsored by the aforementioned Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Also, I mentioned this earlier. On Friday, Danielle and I took a walk past the Klein family house, which is only a couple blocks away from where I live. And they had these big, beautiful floral arrangements on the lawn for Timothy, who once again died tragically in that fire. And Friday was the, we had wakes on Wednesday and Thursday, and Friday was the funeral. And one of the big floral displays on the lawn, it's still there, is a Rangers floral display. So I didn't know that, but it turns out that Timothy Klein was a big Ranger fan which uh, makes us love them even more, because that's what we are on this show as well. We'll take a short break. Beat Sid, The uh, we got a Brett family in the house. Well, this is exciting stuff. They actually sell their product at Christides, which I do miss on 103rd and Broadway. All that and more, the Monday edition of Bernie and Sid comes right back right after these short messages. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
July 24 on your rainy Monday morning here in New York City. We are the number one Nielsen-rated news talk show in New York. We are Bernie and Sid. Bernie went over to the doctor, but he'll be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. and will not miss another minute the rest of the weekend. Tomorrow we've got a pretty good show. Bo Dito's going to be here and Rob Astorino, amongst others, had a great show today. A couple of great guests, which included Rich Lowry and Andrew Giuliani. But I did mention before Beat Sid here that Saturday night I'm considering having a small get-together at my new house for Game 3 of the Ranger-Penguin Series. Game 1 tomorrow, I'll be on Staten Island watching a baseball game. Game 2 on Thursday, I've got another date. I, I can't make it that. So I'm thinking Game 3, Tom Mango and some friends come over and uh, watch the game in my new place. I invited Luke Legrano. Uh, Justin Ellick forced his way in, but I rather mm-hmm. didn't come, to be honest. Okay. And, oh, thanks. And uh, now I've got in front of me what looks like the perfect, the perfect dessert catering for my Ranger-Penguin get-together on Saturday night. Three generations of some of the best bakery goods, breads you'll ever have in your whole life, dating all the way back to 1962 in Newark, New Jersey, now in Caldwell and Fairfield. Uh, this guy uh, is a third-generation Tom Calandra, third generation. His dad, his grandfather started this. He comes not empty-handed, but instead with boxes of uh He's got Trudels, he's got uh, uh, cannolis, he's got all kinds of great stuff. He bought a beautiful Italian bread. Here he is, Tom Calandra. Tom, good morning. How are you, pal? Good morning, guys. Thank you for having us today. I appreciate those uh, kind words, and hopefully, you know, you get some of these uh, items to your house this weekend. I was hearing that you were a big uh, Rangers fan. Yes. I was just saying as I came in, uh, our bakery was uh, 1962, and we actually supply uh, UBS and Prudential Center Arena. R- wrong teams. Uh, wrong teams, unfortunately. <laughs> I wish we were supplying Madison Square Garden because the Rangers are in the playoffs, and right. I was just busting chops that the Devils uh, and Islanders didn't make it this year, and it would have been nice uh, if they did a couple extra playoffs. Well, the Islanders last us. year almost made it to the Cup. They got as far as the Eastern yep. Conference Finals. The Correct. Devils, they won three Stanley Cups. They they never sniffed the playoffs anymore. Yep, unfortunately. Yeah. So we're hoping those teams as well can get back uh, to their glory yeah. years. So. You, you should be uh, tomorrow night is the Real Housewives of New Jersey reunion show. They yes. get like three or four million viewers. Now, it's taped already, to be honest. I even know what happened. But that would be a great spot for you guys to drop off. Because you're in Jersey. you got three stores in New Jersey. That would have been great for you. Yeah, Plus, I know that Melissa and Joe Gorga come to your bakery all the time. Yeah, she actually, uh, one of them was at uh, our Caldwell location, which is one of our bakeries, which is our newest spot that we opened up in 2008. Actually, we have a bakery, a deli, and a restaurant as well. Wow. Has an outdoor dining area, has a fire pit, outdoor bar. We have actually still have a, the tent there from COVID that is still there. So if you're looking for uh, an indoor tent party or something like that going on this summer, you can book an event there. Wow. Um, I didn't even know that. Yeah, you got to stop by one time. We actually, I will. So we can fit almost you know, a party of 200 people if you're looking to do something. And our bakery is right in the uh, center of our location. Uh, it's the center point, which is what my grandfather always says. He goes, if you open a location, because the bakery has to be the center point. You walk through the doors, the first, the, his bread and butter, not to be a cliche, is the bakery. So yeah. it, we're located on 234 Bloomfield Avenue in Caldwell, New Jersey, Lower if you're well. looking for a one-stop sure. shop. Yeah, and also uh, my wife and I used to live on the Upper West Side okay. for a long time. We just moved. 
But uh, we would frequent the 103rd Broadway Gristiti store. Yep. And, of course, you guys are in Gristiti's, D'Agostino's. John Katsimatidis knows uh, good radio. He rebuilt this station, and now we're doing great because of him. Because of him. Uh, he also knows about energy and oil, those types of things. But he knows food. And uh, you guys are, are in his store, so that that right there is a testament to the to the bakery you guys run. Yeah, and I was uh, they were telling me about the story of him how they I guess he bought the station a couple of years ago and yeah. he uh, first got his start in the supermarket industry, and we were able uh, to get into his couple stores uh, in the city. So if you guys are looking for bread, um, also cakes as well for this Mother's Day, um, we uh, deliver our cakes over there. So if you want a fresh cake. Instead of coming all the way to New Jersey, if you're in New York, stop by Gristidi's or Diagostino's, pick up a Mother's Day cake, pick up a fresh loaf of bread, um, which is nice. Uh, so but what yeah. happens for if you live in Brooklyn or you live in Queens? You're not in New York City. You're not in New Jersey. And, yes, yeah, Sunday is Mother's Day. My beautiful wife, Danielle, is a great mom. I've got two wonderful children. I want to get her a Calandra's cake. i got to drive to the city? Yeah, well, you can also, if you're not, if Even you're... Even me, I'm famous. You want to deliver to my house? So, <laughs> <laughs> it might cost you a surcharge, though. That's not, fine. With, I, with I these gas prices, it might cost you a surcharge. <laughs> so, if you're in New Jersey, if you're anywhere up uh, North Jersey or, um, we're in, like I said, Newark, Fairfield. Newark was our original start in 1962. So, if you're in that Essex County area, we're open from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. Um, so, we're open all day daily. And then, if you are in the city and there is a Gristides or Dagostinos close by, yeah. stop by one of the stores and they'll box one up for you and you can take it home. You mentioned the uh, the gas prices. And not to get too political because you want to sell to everybody, you don't want to polarize your, your, your possible customers. But on the supply chain issue, I don't know any business, whether it's eggs. I got to tell you, I, I just wrote a new book. It was supposed to come out for Father's Day. Now it's coming out September the 6th because there's no paper. In your industry, is that an issue? It definitely is an issue. And again, we, you know, as a family, because we are third generation. So, you know, my uh, uncle and my father, who are the second generation, and now my grandfather, who was uh, the original, he's actually still, God bless, still alive. He's 92 years old. Oh, God bless. Um, If you ever want to see him, he's like clockwork in Caldwell, New Jersey. He goes to lunch every single day at two, three, two, between two or three p.m. and every night for dinner at the same location at 8 p.m. Love that. If you want to uh, say hello, he loves to tell stories. But, yeah, I mean, we sit down as a family. We talk about all these issues that are going on. And, you know, we're kind of facing the reality of the fact that there is a supply chain issue. But we're also understanding that if cost goes up somewhere, you need to try to save that somewhere else. And that's ultimately the fact between payrolls going up, uh, the cost of items going up. So we talk as a family, try to make these decisions. Obviously, in a family industry, it's not easy with everybody that's involved. Right now we have uh, my sister is involved. Uh, my youngest cousin, Luciano, who's at Lehigh University, is involved. And my uh, uncle and my father are still obviously very involved in the company. Right. But it's actually funny. We're uh, we're going to be coming up on 60 years, actually, this May. So wow. uh, in the next one or two weeks. Big anniversary party. Big anniversary party. Right. So actually what we're thinking of doing is, and you're talking about inflation and other things going on in the world. So I asked my grandfather the other day, I said, we need to put something together for this 60-year anniversary. And... Uh, he brought up that he goes, Oh, maybe you charge 60 cents or something like that. And I asked him, I said, based on your memory, if you do remember, and he does have a phenomenal memory, I go, what did you charge in 1962 for a loaf of French that's sitting right in front of you? He goes 22 cents. And right now we're charging about almost closer to $4 for a loaf of French, (laughs) which shows you how much that's gone up over time. So on actually May 15th, 
Uh, if you guys visit any of our retail stores for one day only for the whole day, we're doing a 22 cents for a loaf oh of French my, bread. That is great. So now we are limiting. So we're only limiting it to about me. It's going to, it's either going to be Five two or four loaves or yeah. something like that because. Yeah. People might buy a hundred loaves stored in their Let freezer. Let spend a dollar. Give them five or something <laughs> like that. But that is a wonderful thing you guys are doing. Yeah, so that's it just great. Goes to show from twenty two cents and now four dollars. What that's done well, over time. Believe me, I, I remember, and I'm only fifty five when I can get pizza for twenty five cents. Yep. And now you can't get it for less than three dollars anywhere in the city. Well, you know what they say: bread rises. Is that what they say? Yeah. Who's they? Who said that? I don't know. Okay. Bakers. Thanks for that, Justin. <laughs> uh, thank you to Joe Parisi, the great Joe Parisi, Gristini's and D'Agostino's favorite. He offered to drop off any desserts I want Saturday. Joe's the absolute best. Congratulations uh, to you and your family. 60 years of great, great product, great service. This stuff looks delicious. We can't wait to have it. Again, you can buy Calandra's at Gristini's, D'Agostino's, any one of their three wonderful stores in New Jersey, in Newark, Springfield, and Caldwell. And uh, you are a great ambassador. I'm sure your dad and grandfather are very proud of you. Thank you. I appreciate that, guys. Thank I appreciate you. you guys having us. And you have a it. great Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. And hopefully you guys stop by any of our locations or in the stores. We appreciate it. Stick around. Have a cannoli with us. <laughs> Thanks. I will. Okay. Too early, but I will. I'll have an espresso as well. Thank you, Tommy. Uh, Thank traffic you and sports are coming up next. But right now, it is time for the 77 WABC Clip of the Day. Listen to the aforementioned John Katsimatidis, a great John, the Cats Roundtable, every Sunday morning. It's a terrific show. Starts at 8. Here John talks with Newt Gingrich. America is under attack. What's the update on America? And I'm worried about America. Well, I think, John, I think anybody who loves America has to be worried. I look at the growing evidence of the Biden family as a corrupt you know, they're almost like a criminal family in the old-fashioned mafia sense. I mean, you look at how the the brothers and the son work, and you look at how Biden misused the office of the vice president, and it is it's the most astonishingly deep corruption at the level of the White House in American history. Now, it's time to beat Bernie. It's time to beat Bernie. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. You think you can beat Bernie? Good luck. It's time to beat Bernie. Alrighty then, it is not time to be Bernie because of Bernie's absence. Just the lone hour he'll be taking off this week. We'll be back tomorrow, 6 a.m. As Sid had previously mentioned, another special edition of the Beat Sid game sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Check them out, peerlessboilers.com and paviliontankless.com for a dealer near you. Peerless Boilers, America's best built boilers. Lou, I look over to my right. I hop in here. I'm, uh, you know, I don't spend all day in the studio. I jump back and forth. I, you know, cut up some audio. I do production work. That's uh, the field of work I'm in. That's my that's my professional business. And I look over here. I sit Got down it. and and I see a pool of crumbs oh. on uh, on Sidney Rosenberg's chair. Obviously, he's out of the studio as to not cheat in the game and. Uh, yeah, so he went in on uh, the cannoli. Well, it could have been worse, a pool of something else. So well, let's listen, be thankful. I mean, you know, we, we, we know the guy has a lack of control. but in, in, What an uh, animal. In, in that regard, come on. Animal. What, what are we doing? An animal. animal who's got, uh, you know, whatever. Really. Flog I mean, him. Now I'm upset. I've got to reprimand him for making a mess. You know? <laughs> have fun with that. Yeah. And yeah. then and then I'll have to clean it up. I so. believe it. I'm not cleaning it. Listen, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? As, as, Tony, as Tony Soprano would, what are you, you going to do? What 
Where's the ZD? Hey, now. Yeah. All right, we got Brendan Floral Park. He'll be our contestant for the day. He's a retired cop. Brendan, what's going on, my man? Not too much. How about yourself? Can't complain, buddy. Uh, thank you for your service, by the way. We love uh, we love cops here on the Bernie and Sid in the morning program. Damn right. All right, Brendan, you there? Brendan, yeah. <laughs> I'm, here. No, I'm here. How long were you? you. How long were you a uh, police officer for, Brendan? I was a New York City cop for 13 years, and then I went out to Nassau County for 15. How about that? Well, thank you very much for uh, for all that you've done, for all that you uh, continue to do, and um, you're the man. And and the police commissioner is the real deal. I worked with her in Nassau County. She's the real deal. I don't know if the mayor's going to let her do what a police commissioner has to do, but she's the real deal. Well, that's good to know. That is very, very good to know, first-hand source, that uh, Keyshawn Sewell is the real deal. All right, uh, Brendan, uh, you ready to get into the game here? I am. All right, you think you're prepared? It's going to be a little, uh, let's let's be honest here, it's going to be uh, a little bit easier than normal, um, just given the you know ment- mental capacity of one Sidney Rosenberg and... Uh, We'll, we'll see. I mean, you know, as evident as evident by the by the <laughs> that's, that's mess I'm staring at. Jesus. I mean, my I'm God, it, I'm not taking anything for granted. Sid's a genius. Okay. Hey, listen. Wow. wow. Okay. You said it. All right. Came, I didn't say it. That not came me. from Brendan. Yeah. I would never say such a thing. Jeez. Okay. Here we go, Brendan. Number one in 2009, who joined Randy Jackson, Paula Abdul, and Simon Cowell as the fourth host of American Idol. How it's done. <laughs> no. No, that's not it, Lou. No, that's not it. And unfortunately, that's incorrect, Brendan. Cara uh, Dio... I don't even know how to say that. Yeah, it's t- Dia Guardi. Dia Guardi. Like, okay. Okay, that's fine. Uh, that's the correct answer. I, I've, I've never heard of her either, And um, but uh, listen, you're 0 for 1, and uh, hopefully you'll get, get back on track here with number 2, all right? Number 2, Boulevard of Broken Dreams, Basket Case, and American Idiot are all hit songs by what band? Green Day. Thank you, Lewis. We're hitting the yeah. right button that now time. I'm, I'm playing attention. All right. Here we go. One for two. Batting 500. On to number three. What golfer has the all-time record for most major tournament wins? Jack Nicklaus. Genius. He's on fire. Genius. Two for three. You're on a nice roll here, Brendan. Let's keep it going. Number four. What Hall of Fame quarterback has the record for most games lost in the playoffs with 13? John Elway. Oh, it's a good guess. Not that long ago, Peyton Manning would be the correct answer. I was going to say that was the choice between the two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it was a good guess, honestly. John Elway's not a bad guess. Number five. What is he? Two, two for four. Two. Yep. All right. Number five. During season six of The Real Housewives of New York, Aviva Drescher threw what prosthetic body part in response to being called Ada. fake? A breast? A breast. Wrong, you two-legged back of that. <laughs> that was already... Nah, forget it. <laughs> well, oh. at the very least, you... Uh, you supplied me with some humor, Brendan. Thank you. I did. I did giggle at that one. No, the correct answer is leg. A leg. Exactly. But hey, you missed him. You, you, you had a good effort. Two for five. Not a bad showing. And uh, listen, two for five uh, on most days is good enough to win. Are you ready to sit back into your filth? Yeah. That you did that. You did do that. Who else would have done well, it? I'm then. so full. 
Well, who would Who else would have done it? It's like everywhere. Oh, it's the bread because I'm taking all the bread home. I'm leaving you the desserts. I feel so fat this morning. I mean, I've already had a bowl of um, Lucky Charms. You got me a, a bagel with a lox bread, Luke. I just had a cannoli and two pieces of bread. I mean, what am I doing? Yeah, and you eat it all like an animal, like it's an like, animal, like an yes. animal, like it's a last meal I'm it's ever like, yeah, going to the chair. Oh my you know, God. I mean, I, like sitting and there I'm while like, you. And I feel you, fat. I feel fat. I mean, well, listen. I mean, yeah, you're. you're... Be quiet. You're, you're ten times fatter than me, and I'm thirty years old. <laughs> it's okay, baby girl. Don't Unleash worry about the it. beast. You, Luke, you better stay out of this. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> who let the dog out? Come on. Let's go. Let's play the game. How many do I win here? Uh, you need three to win. All right, then I'm going to win. All right. You ready? No. Brendan's a cop, so. Okay, well, I love cops. Yeah, of course. No one loves cops more than me. Nobody. That's yeah, right. let's go. All right. Yeah. Number one. In 2009, who joined Randy Jackson, Paula Abdul, and Simon Cowell as the fourth host of American Idol? There was a fourth host? Yeah. After, like, a year. There was a musician? Not like Ryan Seacrest. You mean, like, another like Like, another they judge. Used, they, another used judge. Four, they used four judges, yeah. I'm going to go with uh, Billy Hung. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah, that was Who was it? Cara Dia, Cara Dia Aguardi. Oh, remember? God, you're right. She ended up on Dancing with the Stars, right? I don't know about I that. I don't know. You're, you're a genius, though. Nah, she's annoying. Yeah, let's go. Stop looking at the game. It's a hard one. Did you get that one right? Did the cop get that? How's your chair? Uh, no, he didn't get that. Yeah. Nope. You got the next one right, though. You ready? Yeah. Boulevard of Broken Dreams, Basket Case, and American Idiot are all hit songs by what band? Green Day? Yeah. All right. Wow. Should answer the question like, question like you eat a canola. Shut up. Let's go. Let's you know? go. Like aggressive. I wasn't you should sure be confident in it. In Clearly wasn't sure. You're right. Yeah, right. Got some bread? <laughs> <laughs> bread rises. You didn't like that? I thought it's that was cute. a funny joke. Yeah. Sid makes a lot of dough, all right? Leave him alone. Right. Oh, look what he did there. Very good. Three. <laughs> what, what golfer has the all-time record for most major tournament wins? Golfer? Golfer. Nicholas, golfer? 18. Tiger Woods, 15. Billy Madison, 13. Okay, fine. We got it. All right. You know. Two for three. You need one more to win today's game. Can he do it? Number four. What Hall of Fame quarterback has the record for most games lost in the playoffs with 13? Wow. Lost 13 playoff games. I got a goal being that the first three years he lost a lot. Well, he lost Super Bowls, not playoff games. Those count. I know. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm not sure if it's John Elway or Roger Staubach. Uh, am I on the right track with either one of them? Nope. No. All right, then my answer is... Y.A. Tittle. <laughs> he's yeah. a Hall of Famer. He did lose a lot of playoff games. John like, Unitas. He's like uh, you. No, Unitas didn't lose a lot of playoff games. And now we're just trying to throw you off. So my, give us an uh, answer. You're uh, running out of time. Uh, Dan Marino. Nope. I don't know. Wrong, you two-legged back of anthrax should be Jesus. Peyton Manning. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, he that? kept getting beat by Tom Brady and the Patriots. That's right. right. Yeah. Kept, kept running into that. Yeah, uh, that machine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. You're ready. Number five during season six. You need this to win. I think. Yeah, yeah One, you do. two. Yeah, yeah. No, he does. He does. During season six of The Real Housewives of New York, Aviva Drescher threw what prosthetic body part in response to being called fake? She threw her leg. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, Viva Drescher. <laughs> right, I'm your host, Justin Ellick. <laughs> That's today's game. With a clean seat. Uh, Sidney Rosenberg comes out with the win. Now he gets a second to talk to uh, a local hero, Brendan, Floral Park. Hey, Brendan, how are you, pal? Pretty good, Sid. I know I was dead once there was a real housewife. But... <laughs> I don't even watch him that much anymore. I used to obviously really be entrenched in New Jersey. But uh, anyway, I took a guess because I... Uh, you know who came to mind was uh, Heather Mills. You know who that is, Brendan? Yes. 
she was a McCartney's ex-wife, right? And she did Dancing with the Stars with one leg. But, uh, hey, man, thank you for your service and um, all that you do. And thank you for listening. And God bless you, pal. God bless you. God bless Bernie, too. I hope everything works out well with uh, his treatments. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for that. He always appreciates hearing that. So do I. So, Brendan, thank you. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Been a great Monday show. And we'll wrap things up on the phones with you folks right after this. Beat Bernie. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. On 77 WABC. Bernie and Sid in the morning. All right, come on. God. Hey, I got my God. Oh, it's a good song. It's Green Day. Play some of this. My driver, Fred Ricky Willis, says you better get to the gym with all the stuff you've eaten this morning. I'm going to go. About 3 o'clock. Check me out. You know, I put up a picture. My sister, Ray Sherry, was over with my mom, Naomi, and my brother-in-law, Albert, on Friday. We had a great time. Went to dinners at Rocco's. Had a, a long conversation. Politics. Ava took over the floor, the whole thing. And um, she bought a picture she found in her house. And it's me, my beautiful wife, Danielle. She looks amazing in this picture. Still does. Look, I mean, she, she, yesterday she stole the show at the, at the Silver Shields breakfast, too. But this is dating back 30 years ago. It's me, her, and a donkey. <laughs> So there are two S's in the picture. And we're standing on a cliff in St. Thomas. That was one of the many spots on our honeymoon. We took a cruise, went to St. Martin, St. Thomas, Puerto Rico, Jamaica, the whole thing. And in the picture, of course, I'm very, very thin, very, no muscle, and uh, very hairy, a lot of hair. And uh, Danielle looks the same, exactly the same. Her hair was curly there. She could still make it curly. Was it more straight these days? But it's exactly the same. God bless her 30 years later. She's still gorgeous. There's a picture right now on WABCradio.tv. And um, about 90% of the folks said, yeah, you were young and, you know, you were cute, but you look better without hair. But a few people did say, I like you with hair, as if I've got a choice. As if one day I decided I'm going to shave all of this off and uh, try to be like The Rock. No, it, 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 my, I have what's called a wavy hairline. Wave it goodbye. It decided one day it was leaving, and I couldn't, I couldn't get him to stay. Now, I'm very comfortable being bald and sexy. I love the whole thing. But uh, it wasn't a choice to get rid of it. But uh, there were a few people who said, I liked you with hair. You saw the picture, Luki. Uh, what do you think? I think it's so strange. I've not known you with hair, like, at all. Right, right. Like, you've been clean-shaven my entire tenure knowing you. So. Right. I've, I've been like this for 15 years. I was just more shocked than anything. I know. I know. Cause I got hair there like, like kid and play. I mean, that thing is way up in the air, man. Oh. It's like, it'll reach the 80th floor of the Empire State Building. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's a great picture of the honeymoon and we will celebrate 30 years of wedding bliss this summer coming up on June 25th. I love you, Danielle. I love you guys too. Lewis and uh, Luke Lucrano. Luke, you were really great today. Uh, Justin Ellick. Frankie Diaz with an E. Deb Valentine. Got a big show coming up tomorrow. Bo Deedle, Rob Bastarino, and of course, tomorrow night, game one of Rangers and Penguins, along with the home opener for the Staten Island Ferry Hall. So tomorrow's going to be a great day. Bernie back tomorrow morning at 6. Until then, from all of us here in the Bernie and Sid in the Morning Show to all of you on this Monday morning.